just quickly, if you want to listen to the playlist of this episode, you can go to Apple Music and search up Jukebox Pod Glory. back with the personal jukebox i'm simon i'm moving i'm grooving i'm smooching and he's a disco tech wreck it's Stuart boyd oh sorry i haven't turned you up you're there now oh oh <laughs> my witty's retort of the series and we missed it did we miss it no no no, no. <laughs> how you doing you're i'm lying yeah good 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 we're, we're, we're back in a good place yes we are definitely um Today we're looking at uh, this is the the great lost episode, um, the first episode of this whole podcast was this album. What's the story, Morning Glory by Oasis? Um, it was a recorded episode. It sounded like utter shite. The guy who did it with hasn't been on back on since or invited back on since. It didn't work out. It's one of them you can sign to the bin and you move on. No pressure then. <laughs> We won't see you again after this one. (laughs) Yeah, we we are doing, for the second time on the Jukebox podcast, everyone always says to me, they say, you don't do enough Oasis, you don't do enough British bands. We're uh, we're trying to kind of adjust that slightly over the next few uh, episodes. We've got a little blighty run lined up, haven't we? I think so, I think so, definitely. Uh, The last one we did, obviously, was television. Around Which the we same, same-ish kind of era as this, um, so yeah, yeah. Let's get some, let's get some British bands back on the show. I went to Milton Keynes this week. Okay, yeah. encounter any roundabouts? Yeah, <laughs> just a few. Yeah, I went to Milton Keynes, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I thought it was okay. Mm. Yeah, I was there to spend some money, basically. Okay, while well, you've still got it in the current climate. Yeah, well, I've still got it. Um, trying to finish off, you know, stuff that's been going on in the house. And they had everything that I could want or any shop or place that I would want to go in. It was there or within probably about a, a, a three-mile vicinity. Well, it's very modern, isn't it, Milton Keynes? It's kind of a, a, a contemporary construct almost. It's like they haven't had to... <laughs> st- marginalise the old to bring in the new have they <laughs> it's like Telford on steroids you know what oh, I mean oh blimey <laughs> you know, they, they remind me of the same kind of thing like there was just fields somewhere and they said right let's build a, a city or a place yeah did they crop yeah. up around the same time frame <sighs> I like don't know Stevenage is another one isn't it is Stevenage one of those yeah yeah uh, I went past the stadium as well the MK Dons yeah. stadium yeah the MK Prawns it was a bit Truman show Okay. Do you know what I mean? No. Trauma for me. Trauma for me. Because um, everyone's got that great novel, haven't they? Yeah. And mine was in my head age about 16, 17. And then one night I watched The Truman Show and I was about two thirds of the way through and I clocked what was happening. I thought, you've nicked it. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a really good film, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant, but uh, and it's probably Carey's best performance for me. And that but was like your. I idea. had the idea first. That's good, isn't that? Is yeah. Just never got it down on paper. That's... That is as true as I'm sitting here. There's nine hundred people out there screaming bullshit now, but I, I swear that is true. There's a podcast out there. Um, they don't need any publicity from me because Christ Almighty, one of the guys works for the NFL anyway, and they do the same kind of deal as what we do. Yeah, looking at albums, and one of their first episodes when when I was looking at other podcasts that were doing this, yep. talking about music and bands, I'd always thought to myself, I love being here now by Oasis. Yeah, okay, and yeah, you've made no secret <laughs> of that. <laughs> and the the last track on that album is a reprise of or reprise of All Around the World, yeah. and it ends with just some footsteps walking off, walking off to a door, and then the door opens. The door shuts and the album ends. Yep. And I always thought, oh, it would be such a grandiose statement to say, oh, and that was the moment of Oasis's peak career. The door shutting on it, and then they went on to do what they did after. And I remember listening to this these guys doing that, and they basically said that, and I was listening to it going, he's oh, oh. nicked, nicked my gig, man. Yeah. Uh, he's wheezing on my gig. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone's done everything before, haven't they? There's, no, yeah. there's nothing new under the sun. Absolutely good. Yeah. On the subject of other podcasts, yes. uh, I'm going to give um, some uh, a local podcast, Svengali, a bit of a shout out Ooh. because I was talking a couple of weeks ago um, to a lad called Mark Evans, good friend of mine, mm-hmm. who uh, is co-host of the Project Football podcast and also another football co- podcast called Know Your Enemy. And I told him we know were your doing... Enemy. Yeah, indeed. What a tune! Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Best you one g- on the album, uh, and uh, yourself and Gaz gave that the appropriate rev- reverence uh, Way when you did back. that album. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, but Mark is a massive, massive Oasis fan, and when I told him we hey, were Mark. doing this, yeah, mm-hmm. hey Mark, and um, he said he would gladly take my place in this chair in the event <laughs> that I couldn't make it for any reason. So I made it, Mark. Sorry, but we'll catch a jar soon. This is to Mark. Yeah, did you not think that he was going to turn up to try and give? Um, Oasis boys are kicking on this episode. <laughs> well, I am astounded that you have trusted me with one of your sacred cows here because um, I don't know if I said this on the last episode or if I said this in between recordings, but Big Popper Pump has got the mic here. He's got a live mic. This is dangerous. <laughs> um, what was Mark's podcast called? Uh, there's Project Football. What's that? Um, it's just a general football podcast. He gets like yeah. a few, a general few discussion guests. football. Yeah, yeah, gets a few guests. interesting guests on it. Yeah, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And though your enemy uh, is one about like football rivalries. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. so there's a Wolves West Brom episode and a oh, like United that. Leeds episode. I yeah. think, so far. See, this- Nowadays, um, people would class it as like a forgotten rivalry, but that's like one of the most heated United rivals, isn't it, with mm. Leeds? Yeah. More so than like City, not Liverpool probably, but yeah, it's the whole um, War of the Roses yep, vibe yeah, going on. Um, yes, yeah, so, if you hadn't picked up on the clues or what I've actually already said, what's the story, Morning Glory, by Oasis? Their 1995... What would you say? Steam, steamroller of an album? I think whatever we say about this album, mm-hmm. and I think there's going to be a little gap between us. Mm. It's not um, my favourite waste yeah. album. Whatever we say, you cannot understate it is important. None more so in Britain in the decade. It, I think this album took everything about 
British guitar based music to the next level and in terms of bringing something from the periphery into the everyday consciousness and I think you can't understate to people who weren't there that like 98% of the population (laughs) could probably see a picture of one of the Gallagher brothers and say Oasis in terms of bringing something I almost feel like I'm understating it by making this comparison because I think it was even more important in bringing things into mainstream consciousness. Mm-hmm. This was the biggest, most culturally important British album since Nevermind the Bollocks. Well, yeah, I can't really disagree with you, really, British-wise. There would be people out there who would probably go, oh, um, The Smiths. Or um, oh man, other bands, but they, they, you're right. I don't think you can put your Smith, your Smiths, your Cure, anybody like that on that level to yeah. your average man in the street. To to the masses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, or to your eighty year old grandparent. Yeah, even yeah, yeah, they yeah. knew who Oasis were. Yeah, yeah. Off the back of this, there was a quote from Alan McGee who said. Um, he, he obviously he had a vested interest in in the record, but he was like, "Oh, you can't slag this. Uh, it speaks to the real working class lads in a way that Swade or Radiohead could only dream of." That was his line. <laughs> His back's up already. Oh. You understand that, though, don't you? That's basically what you just said. I get it, but the knives are <laughs> the knives are out. They're being sharpened. And we will go through how popular this has become be it in players, sales, the fact that I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the real ten tracks are complete radio staples that anybody would know at any time. I can't think of any albums that are like that. And that's not me saying, oh, it's great because of that. It's just, I think this is a kind of a, a one on its own. I don't think there's another album in our lifetime which you can say this of. I may give you a bit of pushback on the absoluteness of that statement. Mm. And I think the re- where that comes from a specific place. Now, you've mentioned, and it's something I've 100% agreed with in a couple mm. of recent episodes that I haven't been on, about the modern youth and the monoculture. Mm. And I thought that hit a nail squarely on the head because I think that's what there is now in terms of the cultural landscape at this time and in, in terms of people who were invested in music. And I'm probably as much of a crossover between these genres or or, or um, arenas as you're likely to get, really, um, because I did have a foot planted in the kind of British bass guitar music yeah, um, sphere. But I think it's been no secret from previous episodes that coming into this kind of period of time, my heart was in alternative US mm. um, guitar-based music. Or television. Um, or television, <laughs> yeah. as, as we established in the last episode, definitely. But um, in terms of those opposing camps, even though there wasn't like a kind of quadrophilia-esque rivalry there, but you, I, th- I think you were predominantly one or the other. I think Nirvana were your shorthand for the Britpop camp for the US alternative, and Oasis were your shorthand for us. Yeah, and the flag think, bearers yeah, of, the, of the genre. Absolutely. And I think there were connotations to either side, or there were, there were elements of that that were complete turnoffs for you. And mm. something actually came up on an algorithm on social media for me recently, and we were preparing to do this, and it absolutely got my hackles up, <laughs> is like a band had posted a video, and it came up in my suggested for you, and it said, all for fans of 
Oasis, I think the Verve, Kasabian, and someone had commented was it a black on and white it. Video? I don't remember. I didn't watch it, but I just read that there was a comment that cropped up. Just it was at the top of yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it throws up. And this comment called the song Pucker. And then it said, <laughs> I would have to check, and this is nails down a chalkboard to me. It says, I will have to check use out. Oh. Now, the only acceptable use of the word use in history is that scene in a Bronx tale. <laughs> where, uh, Yo, I'm going to get used. No, it's where no. Chaz Palmer, it's when the bikers are in the bar yeah. and he asks them to leave. And they, he's on his own, he's in his suit and there's all the bikers. And they basically tell him to fuck off. Yeah. And he walks over and they think he's walking away and he locks the door and he turns round and they all like mm, drop about three feet. And then he shrugs and goes, now you can't leave. <laughs> that is the only acceptable use of the term use ever. Oh, yeah. Absolutely hate it. There's a lot of those at the moment, actually, which have gone into the... Uh... Into the vocabulary. Uh, yeah, yeah. Into, into the lexicon. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. But, oh, Bronx Tales. Do you remember when... when oh, D- you know, I've never seen it. Oh, well, um, DVDs when they were, you know, when you, we, you'd still think I'm nothing about paying... I've never seen it, yeah. Well, when you think of paying nothing to paying 12, 13 quid for a, for a DVD, mm. we're talking those days. I was in the old Virgin Megastore um, once and there was a bargain bin and Bronx Tales there for three quid. Mm-hmm. And De Niro was on it, so mm-hmm. that's a draw. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, three quid a De Niro film I've never seen. Um, so handed me three quid over. I think it was just added to a couple of other things I was buying. And it went on my shelf, and there it stayed for a number of years. And then I was off sick. I was sick, off work sick, sick as a dog. You know, duvet around me, a couple of lem sips on the sofa. Telly's there. So I thought, looking at my wall, what do I want to put on? I thought, I just want something I could ignore. <laughs> something background yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah, yeah. background and yeah. I thought you know what that's sat there for years I'm going to throw that on mm-hmm. and two and a half hours later with eyes like saucers the credits are rolling I'm like how the fuck have I never watched that before <laughs> oh my god yeah along the same kind of lines and on a much less grandiose scale with critical acclaim i had on my sky planner and i'd never seen this film you're gonna go what when i've never seen it like i was when neil said he'd never seen et okay in the 80s i'd never seen terminator 2 (laughs) (laughs) until about 18 months ago i was aware of it i knew basically everything that happened but I'd just never seen it. And then one day, I was just, yeah, I'd got nothing to do. And I was like, oh, Terminator 2. I'd watched that for 10 minutes while I eat this food. And then I ate and carried on and just watched the entire film. Oh, I was like, oh man, that's really good. I don't compute ever, not ever seen that. <laughs> never before. knowing Terminator 2. Yeah. Oh. So you never got uh, half of the Shermanator jokes in um, well, American Pie? N- not really. I kind of, you know what I mean? Not really. No, mm. they were like, you know, yeah. I understood what they were referenced to. Yeah. But yeah, weird, isn't it? Yeah. Joint greatest sequel of all time with Godfather 2? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, sequels have become what now? You know? Well, sequels are what everything uh, lives yeah. on. I have been, since we last met, I have for the first time since Train Spotting 2. Yes. As I many years ago as that to. was. Oh, worthy. Yeah. Worthy. Mm. Obviously not equal, but mm. it, 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 it's mm. up there. But uh, been to the cinema um, 
was a few weeks ago after mm. actually we had had the day off so me and me and the wife went in the middle of the day yes. um and happy to big it up and give it the thumbs up went to see elvis Okay, yeah. It, yeah. It, you see, you're an Elvis fan. I am an Elvis I've, man. I've said this on an yeah. episode when you haven't been here. Yeah. But um, yeah, does it work? Definitely, it works. There is a bit at the end. And this surprises me that I would ever say these words because I'm a big fan. But the part of it I wasn't totally brought in by was uh, Tom Hanks as um, Colonel Tom. Oh, does it? Yeah. It doesn't massively see. I I like Tom Hanks. Mm. Doesn't work for me. Hundred percent as Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought he were. I I always just in my head, even though I don't even know if Colonel Tom Parker is like this. Fat lad, um, cigar, hat, just a Texan. You know what I mean? Just Mm. like basically like a wrestling character, Mm. a wrestling manager. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of thing. Like Colonel Rob Parker, Robert Fuller. But but, but big, but fatter. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I imagine him to be. But the lad, Austin, I don't know his surname. Um, Idle. Is that his surname? (laughs) No, I don't know. (laughs) The guy who plays... um, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) The guy who plays Elvis. um, There's a bit at the end, and we're we're walking out afterwards, Mm. um, and we both reference the same bit, but there's a bit where he's fat Elvis. Yes. Um, they actually cover Elvis's death and then it hops back a little bit and there's some footage and it takes probably a good six, seven seconds, which is a long time when you're watching something like this. Yeah. And I clock, is that footage of the real Elvis or is that him? Oh, okay. And it is footage of the real Elvis, oh, but okay. his performance is such that you, it casts oh, that doubt okay. in your mind. It's like, oh, yeah. no, we're actually into genuine Elvis footage yeah. now. And that's a testament to him. I yeah, mean, if yeah, they're giving yeah. out Oscars for the guy who played Freddie in Bohemian Rhapsody, the, uh, this lad's a shoo-in. He's got to be. I don't even touch that with, him, with the, the shitty end of it. Obviously, you wouldn't. No. Obviously, you wouldn't. I'm kind of... I've heard from Queen fans now mm. that that's like just mm. so not yeah. good. Yeah. I lean towards your view on Queen. I'm not as down on them as you are. Yeah. But... There's been a bit of a spate of those kind of films. Yeah, Rocket, Rocket Man, Man was well. one. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen that? I uh, haven't seen Rocket Man. Oh, yeah. I watched the Liberace one with Michael Liberace? Douglas. Liberace? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Um, Is that called Candelabra? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I've yeah. heard that name. I didn't yeah. realise that it was um, a yeah. Liberace film. Okay. Yeah, um, the last film I saw at the cinema was the newest Jurassic Park film. Okay, the how lad, was that? The lad wanted to go and see it because he's a big yeah. fan of the dinos, or he was when he was younger. Okay, how was um, that? And I tell you what, it's two and a half hours long. Yeah. Yeah, um, so you get your money's worth as such. I thought it was all right. I could literally sit there and pick holes in the script. Oh, of course you could. But it's kind of one of them things where you just suspend your disbelief for a bit. Well, you've, you've got it with these things. I think yeah. you hark back to the first Jurassic World and where, well, of course, where yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard's running away from the T-Rex in heels. Yeah, so, yeah you know, it's, it's like that kind of thing. I'll tell you what it took on the, on the film's kind of tip at the moment. Yeah. Over the last three days, I've watched both editions of the uh, the hitman's bodyguard and the hitman's wife's bodyguard okay brian reynolds samuel jackson um are they based on Spanish the ps2 actress. games no 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 they're not they're basically they could be deadpool 3 and deadpool 4 okay because ryan reynolds has graduated from playing different characters just playing deadpool in every film okay yeah i think he just is i'm down with that but you know i'm always up for a deadpool movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can't be unhappy with that 
But yeah, it's all right. Perfectly um, popcorn movie. I'll tell you what I've noticed, though, with those kind of films. There's far too much... I don't know what you call it now. Like, it's CGI. But yeah, it's, yeah. There's far too much, like, that going on now. For the sake of it. Yeah. As opposed to it doesn't enhance yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, just there for the sake. A bit of um, wrestling reference for the uh, for the fans here. A bit of, uh, like, Kevin Dunn shaky vision kind of thing going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, and that does my idea. And they get a bit spot heavy. Oh, dearie me, yeah, it does, it yep. does. But uh, but yeah, you can enjoy it, man. That's a film, film what was it called? Um, what was the, the programme on BBC One when they used to talk about films? Oh, it was film whatever year <laughs> yeah, it was, was yeah. it with Barry Norman? Film 2022, yeah. is that still going? I think Mark Camot does, does something do similar, but yeah. I think he does it with, is, it, is his show with Simon Mayo? I know he's on the radio as well, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, He's kind of your contemporary. Cinemas are expensive as well. I was pleasantly surprised with how much I paid, but I did go in the daytime. Yeah. And that was a deliberate choice. Did you go to a major chain? Showcase, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did go to that little, is it Lume or something? Oh, in Kiddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tickets are a lot cheaper. Yeah. Food and drink was slightly more expensive. Okay. Screen was shitter. Yeah. And cinema stinkier. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, there was a definite smell of damp in there. <laughs> damp or wank, I don't know which one it was. <laughs> oh, it was one or the other. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dearie, mate. Shall we get back onto what we're doing? I'll ask you later <laughs> where you parked. Oh, um, we'll do that off. Like, I, I, maybe I paid for um, Aldi parking down the road. Oh, okay. Have you seen that place as well? Nobody will know about this because they don't live here. The axe thing. Yes, it's on the same road. It's on Green Street, isn't it? <laughs> the people go and do that. Yeah, yeah. It's always closed though. I was mistaken for the guy who runs that in Central Kitty. He must be bald and bespectacled. That's yeah. all I can say. No way. Um, is it called? It's called Summit Jacks because I remember I was with the yeah. lad and said. Oh, look, the yeah. flying jacks or Never seems to be open. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, a few times I've looked in and there's just people chucking axes to board. And I'm thinking, oh, what's that? Oh, yeah, that, that's the thing. Yeah, okay. Always fancied yeah. that. Well, I'd have a go. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how much it is. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose it's something different, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what's the story, Morning Glory? Was the second album released by Oasis. Um, it charted for the first time on the 14th of October 1995. It entered the charts at the number one position and has stayed in the top 100 on the UK charts for 552 weeks, which is absolutely obscene. Um, it spent 10 weeks at number one. Uh, that makes it. The sixth most weeks ever spent on the album charts in all of time, and the second most ever for studio albums. In the US, it got to number four on their Billboard chart and was declared four times platinum. It has sold over 22 million albums worldwide and is officially the best-selling album of the 90s. So, I mean, there we go. That's what I say to unlike... Any album we've done because it's such a bit of a behemoth. Yeah, it, it, like I'm a big Oasis fan. Yep. But this is not. I think it was at one time. It was a fan, uh, an album for the fans, but it's been taken away from the Oasis fans and just taken into the that word again, the lexicon of modern culture. Yeah, I think my closing thoughts on this might. 
summarise. Okay, yeah, okay. That because I've already used the word connotations. Yes. And something that I'm going to throw out there now is it's very difficult because I don't think that before doing this, I'd listen to this album as a collective oh, at really? any point. I don't right? think I had just okay. because of that's interesting. That kind of not culture because you thought you knew it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a couple of tracks, two possibly three tracks mm-hmm. that I'm, I was like, "Have I heard this before?" I'm sure I have, because and hopefully the reasons that I kind of think that'll become clear. But for those reasons, I found it very difficult to judge. Okay, yeah. Because it is so omnipotent. Is that the word? Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, just to get a bit of a, a feel of the time. As we said, this was released in late 1995. The number one... I think it was kind of the number one album that it took over from. I think, maybe. Um... But anyway, the number one single in the UK at the time. Love the Fairground by Simply Red. Should it? <laughs> now, I don't know if it was what was what I was into at the time, but I can remember this. Um, I was definitely working... Where was I working? Or was I working? On I don't know. But I can definitely remember being somewhere and this always being playing on the radio. Like on your beacon radio, your local radios of the time. And it being really popular. Yeah. Yeah, with the masses. I never got it. Because it seemed to be older people who liked it as well. Um, and I always thought it was a bit... You know, like a few years after this, we kind of got the World Cup. And you have you have them kind of World Cup songs which have the... Kind of the drums in the background. You're thinking Samba de Janeiro there. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. I mean, I kind of get the hook in the chorus the oldies, yeah? I love the thought of coming home to you, yeah? I kind of get that. Simply Red, lost on me. I think we talked about it on the Shine episodes, didn't we, that certain bands where we were developmentally, even though their peak wasn't particularly many years in the past, to us, to our demographic, they felt like relics. And I definitely put Simply Red in that category in 1995. I mean, was this... I, I don't know if you'll know this, but was this even the album version of this song, or was this like a remix? I wouldn't have a clue. No. I wouldn't have a clue. No. A lad I know, um, I, I remember him buying this at the time and being oh, big dear. on it. Yeah, and he's, um, I mean, I'm a, we haven't covered them on the podcast uh-huh. particularly, but I'm a massive Cure fan. I don't know if you've yeah, put that yeah, out there yeah, before. Yeah. But this guy, Tom, he is the biggest Cure head I know. Oh, but he loves a bit of Simply Red as well. But at the time, I remember him having this. I think he came to the Cure later. Mm. But I struggled to reconcile those two things. I was flicking through channels. Uh, I said to you, I was in Milton Keynes, Stadium Premier in there. And obviously, you've only got um, the channels that Freeview has yeah. on the TV. Flicking through the channels, and there was an episode of. Um, oh, fuck, 
fucking hell, what's it called? Mrs. Brown's Bullies. Oh, dear. <laughs> or something like that. Does Mrs. Brown have a chat show or is that Mrs. Brown's Bullies? Oh. And Mick Hucknall mm. was on this show. And he literally looked like a, a smaller, weedier version of Mrs. Brown <laughs> sat next to uh, her, him, her, you know. And, oh, yeah, he didn't look good for, um, I suppose he's getting on though now, isn't he, Mick? He's got to be pushing 70, hasn't he? Apparently he's a legendary swordsman as well, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, Also, I read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he said that he's, like, slept with, like, over... Oh, what was it? I can't remember if it was something like 10,000 women. Okay. <laughs> That's some fucking going there, mate. That's... Yeah. <laughs> if you try and average that out, really... Maybe it's not 10,000, maybe yeah. it's, like, 2,000. E- even then, yeah. even then, if you average that out. That's... Yeah. That's that's what we need to bust the phones out to do um, to do that number crunching. Yeah, but they always sold well. Simply read. They did. The middle of the road, isn't mm-hmm. he? They're, I I put them in. We've we've touched upon them before, but I put them in the same kind of ballpark as you be forty. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the number one album at the time, as we said, was this album, the What's the Sony Morning Glory. So the number two on the charts was a best of. See if you can guess who it is. Like a moth to a flame burned by the fire. My love is one of her lighter efforts. That's the way love goes. was always a bit of a, a curious one for me as well yeah. because if you talk to people who may be I mean how many years younger than me are you? Um, two or three maybe two or three so if you talk to people who are like say two or three years older than me they class Janet Jackson as like being fucking ultra massive being you know up there like it's a slight notch below Madonna kind of thing really? but I never saw her like I that I can't get that when I when I think Janet Jackson I think Super Bowl half time nip slip <laughs> well that's kind of what I think now yeah <laughs> and she was like way past her best then yeah. I mean that was with Timberlake in the 2000s mm, according to Chris Rock absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I can rem- always also remember uh, having my dad coming home with a what would you call it a stereo system? Yeah, yeah. When I was- my mum still calls them music centres to this music day. Music centre, yeah, oh. it's probably a music centre. <laughs> and and he had three records yeah. at the time, and one of them was um, it was a track off this this best of actually. It was Janet Jackson's "When I Think of You." Okay, very eighties sounding. Yeah. Um, so it must have been that kind of era. Uh, so she's been in my knowledge forever, mm. kind of thing. But um, I don't know. Maybe she just never translated as well across here. Potentially, I, th- I, th- I think she yeah. was she was popular. Yeah, but all always eclipsed by Michael. That's uh, that's exactly kind of what I was going to allude to. Is that uh, in my head at least? It's always been, I don't want to say ride the coattails per se, but maybe 
popular by association. Mm. That's always how it felt at the time. I think she was always... You know how I can always remember... God, I always say that. I can always remember. But when you were younger and you used to look at the American charts compared to our charts, they always used to have this kind of R&B generic groove. It was a a constant, wasn't it? Yeah, just the generic R&B. You know what I mean? They they haven't got... Yeah, not the good stuff. Yeah, it just, just... just ten a penny. Yeah. And Janet Jackson is synonymous with that kind of stuff for me. Yeah. yeah. I'd struggle to name you five Janet Jackson songs. Um. Well, my silence is deafening. Yep. In complete contrast to that, somebody who I've really um, not—I wouldn't say—become a fan of over the past like couple of years, especially since doing this podcast and listening to a more variety of music. But realise that she's actually got some proper fucking fucking bangers. I believe I used this to come back on our first ever episode we did with Pearl Jam. Um, Mariah Carey has got some absolutely banging tunes. Uh, this was number one in the US at the time, fantasy. Listen to that high note. I mean, you can't knock that for pop tunes, can you? It's some um, some vocal reflexes, isn't it? I've, it's a transition between that high and what follows. Mm. You know, it's... Sometimes when I'm living my um, privileged white lifestyle and sometimes me and the wife are sitting in our hot tub relaxing on an evening and she'll pick the music and it'll be a magic chill that she'll want to put on. And quite frequently they'll stick on a Mariah track and I'll be like, oh, this is another one. This is another classic Mariah Carey song. So, yeah, man, guess the thumbs up from me. Okay. <laughs> I've slept on Mariah Carey for so many years. Well, not literally. Um, yeah, good stuff. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm looking at your face and you look bemused. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just contemplating the possibility of a deep dive. <laughs> shall I, shan't I? Hey, I've spoke before about a kind of offshoot of the podcast. Still, still like in the, in the, in the thing, but doing a versus. Yes, I like that idea. Like, you'd have. It'd be Mariah versus either Whitney if you were going old school Celine. or J-Lo if you were going newer. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of, maybe. Okay. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, as well, on the US charts, number seven on the US charts was um, a song by a band who never translated to over here. Okay. Oh, you'll know it. I believe they were Ross Geller's favourite band in Friends. Catchy, isn't it, that? Yeah, Darius Rucker was 
went very big in country circles, didn't they? Oh, I don't know. Post Hootie. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Are they not? They're not a thing anymore. No. I don't don't think so. Hootie and the, the Blowfish, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Frontman went. I kind of you say that we mentioned in a previous episode. I forget which one. Uh, there are certain bands that are absolutely massive in America that oh, Sugar Ray is the other one I always yeah. think of. Dave Matthews Band. I yeah, think Dave of. Matthews. Um, um, me and Little Sally said about Sublime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were like yeah. huge in America. I was in Vegas once. Um, we were in a bar and there was a guy playing acoustic guitar and uh, played a Sublime cover. And the guy I was with at the time, uh, another local lad, but um, he was like, oh, tune Sublime. And I was like, never heard this before in my life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you said the singer is called Darius something. Darius Rucker. Did yeah. you hear that this week about the, the lad who, used, who was on X Factor? That Darius Oh, yes, Dinesh. Darius Dinesh, yeah. Yeah, was he like found dead in uh, his apartment or yeah, something? Yeah, same age as me. Yeah, no, men yeah. Was it like suspicious kind of... I don't think they said it was suspicious circumstances. No. Um, what, natural causes at that age? Uh, it's frightening. Yeah, I know. I'm guessing you never really listened to Hootie. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. <laughs> now, before we get into the album, um, I think it'd be remiss of us to not mention this single, whatever. Um, it was released, uh, I think it was on one of the Christmas chart countdowns that me and Ning did, uh, December 1994. So it's kind of a bridge between Definitely Maybe and What's the Story Morning Glory. Uh, it sort of harks in a theme which like, goes through this album. We've got more string arrangements, um, more of a varied instrumentation really from the debut album. I would say on, on this album we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. the predecessor was more straight for the jugular. Than, yeah, yeah, than oh, yeah it was just straight ahead, like guitars yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, um, and I mean this at the time I can remember this being—it's still never been released on an album. It's just a standalone, always been a single, and and for that it's spent 112 weeks on the UK charts, which is the most of any Oasis single as well. So, yeah, it's got its own little place in history as well. And it's a banger of a tune to boot, yeah? Do you like this one? Yes, it's, it's pretty decent. I think, uh, I mean, we'll touch upon this as we work through the album, but um, if there's one thing you can say about Noel as a songwriter throughout this period, he was absolutely prolific. And there's a mm. deluxe edition of this album doing the rounds now. Yeah. And if you allow yourself to fall into that, there's a couple of more than a couple of tracks really that would have been right at home on this album if they kind of fell into the same kind of time frame of course I can't attest to be an expert on that but yeah. might have even enhanced it dare I say there's there's a podcast out there called The Oasis Podcast yeah uh, and they whenever it comes to the anniversary of the albums they do oh uh, Morning Glory the reimagining okay. so you basically can use any of the tracks that were out post the first album that would be sides or anything you try and put together a better album yeah which you could do with a lot of artists obviously yeah um and it's an interesting concept for this yeah i slipped a little bit into the deluxe version <laughs> and the tracks post this and there's 
I won't claim to be any kind of aficionado here mm. or, or expert or have devoted any significant amount of time to it. Mm-hmm. But there's two tracks on the deluxe version that aren't on the original track listing that absolutely walk onto this album. Um, yeah, we might speak about a couple of those, actually. Are they um, a variety? Mm, yeah, I, don't okay, know. Okay. I, I didn't go that deep. Okay, but okay. just on the surface, ostensibly there are two tracks that are at least the equal of their equivalence. On, well, one that's at least the equal of its equivalence and one that would... There's just a just a fantastic piece of songwriting. It's like, <laughs> how is that not on not on an album? It may be a bit obvious, a bit of an obvious choice to Euro Oasis fans, but to a relative novice, I stand by that choice. <laughs> All right, let's get into the album. Uh, it starts... Ve- Did you like how the album started? I do, and I'll tell you why I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's basically the chords from uh, Wonderwall, isn't yeah. it? And then it segues into the opening track. And I'll build upon this point. I yeah. mentioned it on the television episode. Yeah. I'll build upon this point in two separate parts where there's not a lot else to talk about, really. Uh-huh. But... Um, I like when an album makes the effort to be a complete work like and a full book. yeah, and to yeah. flow as opposed to being a collection of songs. So I'll, yeah, I do like that touch. You'll notice it. I'll, I'll play it in a second. But what I can remember me and a friend, an old friend of ours, getting this first time I ever sat and listened to this. We had the tape. We went in his car up to Kinver and just put it in, press play. And then the the chords to Wonderwall start, and it forces you to kind of turn the volume up because yeah. they're very low in the mix. Yeah. And then this sun comes in. So yeah, we'll have a bit of this. So that's one of two tracks on the album that I would say are not part of the that word again, the the lexicon, the the music of the nineties. Yeah, because this was one of the two. I thought, have I ever heard this before? And yeah. I thought, I, I must have done. Yeah. I'll kind of build on to that, but I want to pick up something you just said right there about something being low in the mix. But the mix of this album in general. It comes across to me as very murky. And so I read a book very recently, I actually read it on holiday. You um, about the brick wall technique. I'm not sure because I'm not, I can't claim to be any kind of technical whiz on these kind of things. Yeah. Um, 
so probably more of this book than I realised went over my head but David Byrne from Talking Heads mm. wrote a book called How Music Works mm. and he particularly cites Oasis in terms yeah. of a particular technique of yeah. music being recorded to sound louder than yeah. other albums around this yeah. time frame and I think yeah. in 2022 that works against this album uh, yeah I, th- I think even with the remastering yeah. which all these tracks that we're listening to now are from the remastering they still harbour some of that. Yeah, and I found that very challenging because, like I said at the onset, I don't recall ever listening to this album in full back then. So mm-hmm. in the name of objectivity, I found this really, really a difficult listen mm-hmm. in terms of listening to track. it. Yeah. Not every track. Yeah. Not every track is, like, no, is it? Oh, but th- there's one in particular that oh, really, really, which really one stands is, out. Yeah. Possibly two, but I've tried to listen to this with a 1995 head on, mm. hearing this for the first time, as opposed to a 2022 head, and that's yeah. been really, really hard. And this is the opening cards, chords of this track are archetypal Britpop. It's hard <laughs> to rate rep- retrospectively. Maybe it's the combo of the lead melody and Liam's distinctive voice. And it was prob it's like the Oasis signature sound. It's probably an exciting combo when it hadn't been played out. But listening to this mm. in twenty twenty two and I like have I heard this song before? And to me, as someone who wasn't a card carrying member of the Oasis fan club yeah. or the Britpop fan club, although I dipped my toe in those waters at the time, this to me is what you might get if you put Oasis's entire discography into AI and asked them to churn out, <laughs> asked it to churn out something new. It would sound like this. Something really, really gets on my tits about this song. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's not the Gary Glitter. Um. No, no, but that's that's unfortunate. They weren't to know at the time. No, yeah, I noticed yeah. that. I thought, oh, that's um, yeah, that's that that that's unfortunate. There's the second part of a stanza, and it's a hark back to indie rock and roll for me. And I'm going to hark back to that a couple of times on this on this album. And it's when it's the line nobody ever mentions the weather, yeah. and I know it's coming. But it, <laughs> were your parents into oldies stations in the nineties? Um, they were very much into either 80s of the day or yeah. 60s. Oh, well, yeah, 60s. And my old man was 70s, but my yeah. mum was 60s, yeah. Yeah, well, my parents just put on WABC, which was yeah. sounds yeah. of the 50s, 60s and 70s. Yeah. And there was a track on there by the Turtles, whose best work was with Vanilla Ice. But uh, <laughs> you go back to the Turtles, and you know that song, you know that song, Happy Together? So happy together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like um, a Beach Boys song. It does, it does. But there's a bit in there, and even when I was like 11, 12, it just jumped out at me. It's like, that shit, that's thrown in for the sake of it. That's like, that's very smug and pleased with itself, and it's just bollocks. When in the last chorus, it goes, happy together, and then 
just arbitrarily throws in, and how is the weather? Oh, yeah. And fucking yeah. hell, it's now down a chalkboard. <laughs> and whenever a stanza finishes, rhymes anything with weather, I'm like, fuck right off. <laughs> After that, that's like, I've, I've, I've held that position for 30 years. I'll hold it till the day I die. It's horrible. Then... The next part of that is uh, no one ever seems to remember life is the game we play and it's it's a bit banal, isn't it? Oh, it, I think we said, didn't we, in the television episode yeah. about how Noel just... He, he wrote lyrics to rhyme sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At best, at absolute best, it's uninspired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me give the counter. Um, at the t- and I'm not going to stand up and say, "Oh, this is one of the great Oasis tracks." It's not. It's. I think it works as an album op- album o- album opener. God, that'll take an edit because it has that Wonderwall riff into yeah, it, which I it like. Kind of, it kind I of like goes, that touch. Go, Ooh, yeah. When I listened to it, it was on a very trebly radio, so even more. Yeah. Um, the thing you spoke about was, it's called bl- Brick Wall Mastering. Okay. It initiated, and Oasis were like kind of one of the first bands who were doing this, yeah. the Loudness War, which I think yeah. you said about. Yeah. Um, it it's just, a recurring theme on this was, album. It's just so, it, the music is so compressed. Yeah. It's just so compressed. Compressed is a good word. Um, a lot of people in, in the industry class this as the jump in the shark moment, this album. Okay. And and the first album as well, kind yeah. of, really. Yeah. Um, as far as mastering goes. I think it's, for Oasis songs, It's it's got the magic formula of a Noel Ritt song yeah. that's a rocker and Liam singing. Well, those are the two elements that that elevate them. I'll come back to it. Mm. But one thing I've noticed in this song, the next song, and another one, kind of a loose concept. But what's really strong throughout this album, and I'd have to do a massive deep dive on mm. Oasis to say that, yes, this is fundamentally what they're about. But from about a minute in, Something I, I jotted down on a few of the songs is that Noel can write a pre-chorus. He really can. He can get a couple of recurring lines in there or a build-up to a chorus that massively elevates it from the uh, kind of we live in the shadows part of this yes. up to the first hello. That's the, that's the best Those bit of 20 the song. seconds, yeah, that elevates the entire thing. That happens yeah. a few times in this album yeah. and it makes something that may have been good on its own even better. That's the thing which Jacko did in the 80s. Yeah. If you listen to Jacko's songs around his uh, bad era especially, yeah. you got the verse, you got the chorus, but it's the bridge or the pre-chorus. Yeah. That may, Man in the Mirror, yeah. without that pre-chorus, yeah. is like just, just yeah. a song. That's where Noel earns his corn. Yeah. Absolutely massively. That, as you say, that bit, We Live in the Shadows, we had the yeah. chance. That's the bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A lot about this annoys me in 2022 mm-hmm. that... Probably wouldn't have done mm-hmm. in 1995, mm-hmm. so that's the reason I say this. I found this really, really difficult to listen to and rate. But again, spoiler for the rest of the album. But like you say, it's kind of marmite. But it depends where you stand on Liam's, Liam's vocal stylings. Um, but that is the other big asset that they have is that he inspired a lot of copyists. But he was unique. It's he unique. is unique. Yeah, and it didn't take long to get to shine. End of the Didn't take line. long. Didn't take long. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've emphasised it somewhere else, but yeah, it, this track is probably fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's um... there's a, just a couple of things that, for me personally, really, really irk. But that nobody ever mentions the way. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> the, don't do that. An example of that whole uh, mastering thing and the loudness. It's never more present than in the intro to Cigarettes and Alcohol. I just yeah. play the intro, and you just hear the moment where the feedback and the fizz and the fuzz comes in, and that's it for the rest of the song. After the first little bit of riff. And at the time, though, I can remember thinking, whoa, that's really cool and loud. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was just... It, there weren't loads of bands doing that. And as you say, those production techniques probably don't yeah. translate as well to 2022. Yeah, yeah. And reading back on kind of the mindset at the time, it's that was intentional. Oh, it was so, completely intentional. So obviously, you're living proof that it worked. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, here's, here's your man as well. There's a bit which now all like apes at the end of the song from Gary yeah. Glitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, as you say, who was to know? It was, and it wasn't that long afterwards that. No, no, it wasn't. Things came to light. <laughs> uh, track two on the album. You ready to move on? We are. Track two. Um, for my money, probably the worst single Oasis ever put out. You heard this one before? May have done. I think we've done this on the time. Now, I can only imagine the amount of sing-sunger, vitriol, vitriolic bile that you've got for this song. Well... I would say that you think this is the worst song on the album. The segue from Hello into the opening <laughs> chord, it feels right. It's comfortable. Oh, it's yes, like it's yeah. meant to be. Yeah. And the album fit, as we kind of touched mm, upon, mm. enhances everything. The first 20 seconds, the build... They're the highlight, aren't they? They're, they kind they of are, are the aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, and are you ready for personal gripe number two? Yeah, go on. You gotta roll with it, and I've touched upon this on a shine episode. Mm-hmm. Don't dictate to me, you fuckers. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. But you, you know when roll with you it. know when you've got to do anything. I'm going back to cast. I'm going back to your boys' cast. You know what's it all about? Do you really want to know? you got to let it out if you want to let it in. Fuck off. I think that's okay. kind of just the vibe of if that. If you're some it? kind of sage, if you've got something profound in there, I want to get there on my own. Make me work for it. Make mm. me feel like I've earned it. You know, it's, oh, no, no, you're not, you know, you're I'm, not my life coach. I'm never going to stand up for this song. I, mm. You can imagine 
how much of a live favourite this probably is yeah. to, the sh- to the stupid masses. Let's just yeah. be honest. Well, yeah. yeah. The, the solo to the bridge, you know, I, I, I want to try and be positive. Yeah, there's, 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 it's know. nice to hear some discernible lead. We've talked about the mix. As a pop song, it works. Yeah. It does yeah. work as a pop song. It's yeah. completely... You know what the lyrics are. You can sing along to them easily. You can see why it's popular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. yeah. You get um, that bit. Yeah. The lead, often throughout this album, it's lost behind the rhythm section, so I, I like that that stands out. But, yeah, you know, you got to let out if you want to let it in. you got to roll with it. you got to move it, make it, move it, shake it. Who do you think you are? No. No. <laughs> it's now staying a chalkboard. Uh, again... Another highlight is the pre-chorus elevates it a bit. Oh, yeah, the pre-chorus is the best bit. Yeah. As you say, the intro and the pre-chorus are the best yep. bits, yeah. 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 This was the the last single that was put out before the album's release. Uh, there was two... Back in the days where singles came out before albums came out. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is the whole battle of Britpop. Yeah. Song. Will I call it the worst track that's got two contenders? Well, I, I, on any given day, yeah, they'll come one, two, three, three, two, one, two, three, one, okay. one, two, three, whatever. Once again, I think we can only give kudos to the marketing geniuses who created the whole chart battle of Britpop with possibly Blur and Oasis's worst singles that they ever put out. Yeah, I find it difficult to argue Do you know what that. I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm racking like, my brain through blue these singles. These ones might but be yeah. a bit shit. I think we need to, like, spike something here. Yeah. I mean, you're talking... Were they even in cahoots at that point in time? <laughs> well, you <laughs> the, know. If there's any time to do it, now is the time. Man, you know, was it was it a work all, all the way through? <laughs> yeah. um, you can't understate the significance that this was first story on the 10 o'clock news. Absolutely. You know, you, yeah. I, I can't sell this enough with this. There's plenty of little bits I'll come back to on this, but that's just the first thing about yeah. it. It was that much of the national psyche that it was the top story at the news of yeah. 10. Yeah. Like every motherfucker was leading their news stories with oh, what the sales are this day Yeah, and everything. Yeah. And you'd struggle to... Uh, you'd struggle to kind of throw any kind of context on what the other news stories were around that time. I don't know what they were. For that point. I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> what was happening in 95? If you when think, everything happy and rosy then? Yeah. Well if, well, if you think Blair didn't take office till, was it 97? Yeah, Blair got elected in 97, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So obviously there's there's got to be something that's influenced the sea change at that point. But. Yeah, I've, Christ knows, I don't know. We didn't care at that point nah, in time, did we? we didn't we care, God damn. Um, I always remember the top of the pops performance where Noel and Liam swapped. Noel was singing, Liam was playing guitar because obviously it was miming. At because the, they could, yeah, yeah, it was miming at the time. Yeah, uh, as I said, it was got reached number two on the charts, forty-eight weeks on the chart. This is the first song where we're at the second song of the album, which is in the national cycle. It is. Yeah, everybody knows this song. Everybody from, uh, I don't know. From everybody from our age upwards and probably 10 years younger knows this song. Yeah, my woodwork teacher was playing this when I was in detention. <laughs> there you go. And I bet he yeah. loved it, didn't I? Oh, he's loving it. He loved yeah. it. When this album was out, the amount of people, I was like, you know, just slumming around trying to do something just to not get a real job yeah. at the time. 
and the amount of people who were like oh, massive Oasis fans at the time, supposedly, yeah. but they were like just lads who'd be, I don't know, you know, like just shirted jobs doing yeah. really shit things. Yeah, but it was like, oh, Oasis are that big. That they are just the hand number one band at the time. Yeah. Has, has, has there been a band since Oasis? The kind of being that's that that's had because that reach because ha- the internet happened a couple of years yeah. after Oasis. Yeah, and everything became so much more fragmented. Yeah, yeah. Even though you do have the monoculture, yeah, but you do have the the splinter off yeah. music things. Yeah, um, I don't think there has been has there has there, has there, has there been not a- to the same level. No. They can't have been. Somebody's got to be screaming somewhere, oh, this band, but you're probably wrong. Maybe in America, obviously, because they, fucking hell, they change their mind like the wind, don't they? Even then, I'm struggling. Yeah, well, they had the whole new metal explosion. Mm. Then they had, I don't know, would you class, you know, like the Garage Rock, would you class any of those The likes of the Strokes and... Yeah, they weren't... They never reached those kind of levels of... Nah, the White Stripes. Ubiquity. Yes, roll with it. For me, as I say, it's not a, a great song, but it's a popular song that everybody knows. It reinforces my thing of this being the Oasis album for the masses. Yeah. It certainly is that. It's yeah. That one's a thumbs down for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after that, oh dear. gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you by now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do i don't believe that anybody feels the way i do about you now backbeat the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out i'm sure there's those television strings coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually had this noted down as Verve strings from when we did well, Verve. Well, Verve after when this, When we did Urban I? String, but I had, I had my fill of strings with the Verve. Yeah. Something actually on the last couple of tracks that I've kind of forgot to point out that mm. kind of comes in um, comes in quite a bit. Um, I mean, the rhythm was really basic, and that's It is so cool. basic. Yeah, and in terms of structure everything so far it's like the first track the second minute from 30 seconds to 130 and basically the mirror minute from 130 to 230 it's a carbon copy bar a couple of lyrical lines literally odd words yeah yeah and again roll with it was quite repetitive and these elements mean it doesn't get away with it whereas some songs might and so as such I'd never listen to them on purpose again mm-hmm. this song fuck me this song how can you be objective you just it's it's just, oh it's so ingrained into the psyche so perspective first time in 2022 if I was listening to this for the first time now would I like it this is where I've tried to come it's really at it really hard from. Mate, that yeah it is it is it's almost impossible it's almost whatever you say about this song is redundant because yeah. you can't take context 
30 whatever nah. years away from it I've tried to listen to it with 40 year old ears as opposed, as opposed to 14 year old ears quite a nice little opening melody the unorthodox vocal was probably a, a bit of a draw at the time it's I honestly think Liam's vocal is yeah. like really on point at this time mm, it's, it sets it apart in an acoustic ballad term it's a bit loud again that's down to the production um, it's about yeah the lyrics again are a bit uninspired in places, and Liam's vocal when it works, it really, really works. Mm. And here with the uh, where there's, he, a, there's a fragility to Liam's vocal, definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. When he hangs on things here with the maybe and after all, personally, yeah. Now, on this track, nails down a chalkboard. Oh, really? Yeah. The, yeah. This is one of them songs which. You know, I could happily never hear again. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, not, not because I think it's shit. It's just like, I've heard it. Yeah. I've heard it to death. Yeah. Um, this and the next song, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, a, a spoiler, I'm a bit more lenient on the next song than this one. There's a bit one. more to the next song. Yeah. But this is the song. When me and Si did the most downloaded 90 songs ever, this is the most worldwide downloaded 90 song ever. Yeah. I mean, it, its popularity is un, unmatched, unrivaled. Yeah. Well, for, for that yeah. era's music. And I think I'm kind of at the camp of, you know, again, that cultural dissonance, whereas you're either pr- primarily one camp or the other. So this is the one to hang your hat on. If Oasis are your shorthand for the other lot, then this song is your shorthand for you're going to want to look to pick fault in it. But even then, even if you're an ardent fan of this this song, every one of these dog covers this song, don't they? I'm playing one in the background now. Yeah, and I was, um, it was Jubilee weekend, and we were down in Stratford where the in-laws live, and there was a guy in his guitar, and they were covering this, and the mother-in-law... favourite. Yeah, absolutely. But the mother-in-law, who is 70, starts singing along with it, and even at that point, if you're ardent, you've got to disown it, haven't you? You gotta abandon it. As a fan, yeah. yeah. Five years ago, you would have come to me and said everything you've just said, and yeah. I would just go yes. Yeah. But I, I, I just think it stood the test of time. Mm. For me, yeah, as a fan, I think it stood the test of time. I think it is just one of them songs, man. I can kind of relate to that perspective as a Pearl Jam Uber fan because I've. I've done a 180, probably a 360 over 30 years on Alive. Oh, yeah. I can get on with it now. Alive's in that. Yeah. Alive's still in the bag for me for yeah. that. Yeah. 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 For, whereas for a period of time, it was like, Alive now. No, not reflective. Like Channel Changer. Yeah. 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 Favourite band, biggest song, no, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But I'm back there now. So I get that. But I asked myself... Would I like this in t- in 2022 if I heard it for the first time and there were no connotations? No. It was never number one, neither. It was number two, wasn't it? Because Robson and Jerome were number one at the yeah, time. So yeah. that kind of gives you yeah. a bit of a thought. Did Mike Flowers get it to number one? Um, no, Mike Flowers. We'll play a bit of Mike Flowers as well. See, this is the thing now with Oasis of this era. That you had artists coming along. And I've n- I can never think of this ever again. Artists coming along, covering your songs, your current songs, and taking them high up the charts. Yeah. It was Frankie and Eamon the last time? 
Yeah, but that's... That, that was, was not, pure marketing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that it's was pure on. marketing. Can you remember when Chris Evans first played this and he said, oh, well, this is... It, the Oasis version is a cover. I'm going to play you the real version of it. It wouldn't surprise. I was actually thinking it wouldn't surprise you it, that there were a lot of people out there who believed that and would oh, go to bat yeah, from that yeah, standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can remember going out with a girl at the time, and she like loved this version of the song, and I was massive dismay, and it probably yep. didn't last long. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw a girl once. We're, we're going back into the film canon, but. Um, this lasted literally four weeks mm-hmm. and there was a night when I put um, No Country for Old Men on Mm-mm. and I'd seen it before but she was a bit like you told me this was good what's going on it's just uh, you know, oh I can't get my head around that yeah. and then a couple of nights later she was absolutely mesmerised by Alien Resurrection Okay, and I was like okay this ain't gonna last <laughs> so yeah I'll get that I get that. And we all love Winona, don't we? But, you know, if you couldn't save Alien Resurrection. Well, no. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you. As with all massive mega uber songs, many of covers of that, Mike Flowers pop. Yeah, it is Mike Flowers Pops, isn't it? Yep. Anastasia released a cover on one of her albums. Um, Mike Posner, if you remember him. Ryan Adams. Uh, Paul Anker, who just covers everything, doesn't he? You know, yeah. Uh, both that song and the next song were offered to Liam. Uh, and Noel said, basically, I want to sing one of them. You pick which one you want to sing. I'm going to sing the other one. And the next one was this. Pre-chorus and build again. So I started heard that I think we'd been out somewhere at maybe the Dorchester at Wolverhampton okay and then we came back and somebody had in the car Gibbo was definitely there uh, and obviously you know a bit delicate after having a few drinks and yep. everything on the night and then oh my god when that build up happened to that chorus and the first time it hit it was like oh my god this was probably the best song ever it's epic it's <laughs> epic and don't just as a, a little sidebar I think on on behalf of lads aged kind of 
13 to 18 everywhere in 1995. We owe every girl at school called Sally a collective <laughs> massive apology for being so predictable and unoriginal and just making your life hell. Um, no, they loved it. They, they loved it. They loved it, yeah. didn't they? I'm not sure they did, to be fair. <laughs> I'm not sure they did. But yeah, um, it's beat, proper Beatles-esque intro, isn't it? Well, it's, imagine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a nice building. Yeah, it really suffers from the overexposure. I imagine you're sick to sick to show to this. It's another song which I would never have chosen to listen to over the past probably 15, 20 mm, years yeah. by myself. But now when I hear it, yeah. I kind of think... It's actually a really good song. Lyrically, at least lyrically, if not musically, it's easily the best crafted song so far. Uh-huh. Um, po- post-chorus strings, we've talked a bit about strings, they're so understated and they blink and you'll miss them. They add a bit of texture and they don't annoy me, which is just, that that's an achievement at this point. I think it's all part of the overall vibe yeah. of the song in this yeah. video. It's interesting that you mention um, that this was one or the other was offered to um, Liam and mm-hmm. he obviously took Wonderwall because I've actually thought in the build-up to this, I'd be really interested to know what this would sound like with Liam singing. Uh, this is a thing of Oasis I'd all, I always prefer to hear Liam singing than Noel. Yeah. Always. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is still in the era where Noel's only singing one song on the album. Yeah. That changed in yeah. subsequent albums. But... You know, Noel does a good job here. He does, he does. He does. And He's I not think, a great singer. I think you maybe needed that break. I think potentially that elevates that. Mm-hmm. As a standalone song, mm-hmm. I think it still might benefit from Liam singing. I'd be really, really intrigued to hear mm-hmm. Liam's take on this. I'm sure he has sang it live. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. would have thought so. Yeah. It's a simple commercial verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, structure yeah but it absolutely works um i'm trying to put myself in like 1995 again like i did with the last song and this one i think i would like if i was hearing it for the first time Mm -hmm. and i've got to say even with that aside if you take out well if you include all the cultural and contextual variables of 1995 if you're between the age of 15 and 23 years old if you've heard Wonderwall followed by Don't Look Back in Anger for the first time. I don't care who you are. You're thinking, fuck me, this band are massive. It's a, we've said before about the one-two punch. Yeah. That track three and four, whack, yeah. whack. Yeah. You yeah. Know. If you're not overexposed to this, if you're hearing these for the first time together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. You, you're on the floor here. You, you're sold, aren't you? <laughs> You've you got to think sold. that. The time it was like, oh, there's this band and this is their singer. Yeah. But then sometimes the guitarist sings some songs as well, mm. and they work. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You don't get that often, do no, you? No, no, even no. now. No, no, even no, now. no. You don't get that now. Even now, I've got a little note here that I've starred a uh, role with it, and we've mentioned. Um, sorry to hark back, mm. but uh, we've mentioned like the deluxe version, mm-hmm. and in terms of role with this, role with it, I've starred that, and I've. Because obviously I've come to the uh, the later tracks later, and I've put "Roll with It" does nothing, and I can't really build on this anymore because I think I've listened to the song once, maybe twice. Uh, "Roll with It" does nothing. The acquiesce doesn't do better. Oh, acquiesce is fantastic. Acquiesce is like, I mean, that's a B side, and it's like a crowd favourite that yeah. Oasis would have had to play at all gigs, mm. and it's. 
I'll tell you what, roll with it and Acquiesce both have this thing and it was a, a theme through all the first album and it's been spoke about before. There was a feeling of positivity in Oasis songs. Yep. It wasn't being down on yourself. It was like, like you said, you've got to roll with it. Fucking, you know, let's just get out there and let's, you know, it's positivity instead of like feeling sorry for oneself and stuff. And man, don't knock Oasis for that. That's a good thing, isn't it? It wasn't where I was, but you know, <laughs> the, the chorus of acquiesce. We will come to that actually because yeah. I've got that on my um, on my little bit for afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I did note that like why, why was why wasn't this an album track if it was written at the same time? Acquiesce is a that's a top ten Oasis song. Mm. I would say. Weren't it a B side to? Um, Oh, was it on the B side to whatever? Or what? I can't remember. And it has the whole Morning Glory thing in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. another thing, like we said about that one. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd have subbed that into the start of this album if I was. Oh, that should have been the opener. If I was Alan McGee. That should have been it the opener. Been in there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. 227,000 copies sold first week of that single. And, and it was, you're talking, the best part of six months after the album was released. Mm. So, yeah, it's impressive numbers, man. That's just the time what it was. People were buying records and shalala, shalala. When they sold singles in Woolworths and WH Smith. <laughs> that was the thing. Uh, should we have a break after that? It's quite a peak to go out on, isn't it? We're an hour and a half in. Well, oh yeah, ish. Let's do it. Okay. Right. See you in a bit. Don't forget, you can contact the show directly, jukeboxpod at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Facebook, search for Personal Jukebox Podcast. On Instagram, we're also at jukeboxpod. And leave us a review. Help a brother out. Help the algorithms. Yo! the jukebox podcast where we're looking at what's the story morning glory from the greatest british band since the 80s <laughs> i'm talking to the wrong guy yeah if this was the um <laughs> if you were going to introduce this as the second best album mm. by the most important british band who emerged in the 90s I was going to throw a bit of a bait and switch out there and say, oh, we do it in rainbows. Hey. 
this is the point of the podcast where we come into our new little feature, isn't it? This right? is why I'm nervous. This is why you're nervous, yeah. Oh, Christ, you can see the answers there. Um, I, I can't say, glasses are off, so... Can't oh, you can't much. see anything. Oh, that's no, good. That's no, good. some credibility needs to seriously be restored here. So we um, we spoke last last time, didn't we, about how we have this new feature now, where it's who big one hundo, where the co-host can earn themselves a hundred British pence to spend on whatever they'd like. You leave this house, you'll have a hundred British pence in your pocket, right in your skyrocket, for you to spend on whatever you'd like. So the last time we were here, we were talking about the top five selling Radiohead songs. This time we will say, let me have a look, yeah we'll go for that one. Name me the highest charting Pearl Jam songs. Oh. So I need at least five out of the top six. Oh. We can talk about it. It's got to be early career got to be early career oh so Jeremy I, I won't lock him in yet we can talk and talk you yeah. got to think what were they got off the first album Jeremy Alive Jeremy Alive um, Even Flo. was Even Flow a single then second album I don't even know what was singles Daughter a single yeah um, yeah Daughter was a single okay then you're moving into Kind of better man, corduroy, spin the black circle. Um, does who you are get into there? Maybe from no code. Um, they've got a top out at yield, so You've maybe given to five. Okay, do I have to give my five before these forty seconds are up? Lock in. Okay, let's lock in. Let's let's just throw them at the wall. Mm-hmm. Okay, given to fly. Who you are, Jeremy, Black, and Daughter. Given to fly, who you are, Ooh, Jeremy, let's Black, and Daughter. There. Let's sub. Let's sub given to fly. No, let's sub who you are out and let's put spin the black circle in. Oh, we did it just in time there. Right then, are you ready? Your first one you said was Given to Fly. Yep. That is the second highest ever Pearl Jam Ooh, charting single. I'm quite at, pleased with that. At number 12. The next one you said was Spin the Black Circle. That is the highest charting Pearl Jam single Ooh. ever at number 10. I know it won a Grammy, so that was mm-hmm. factored into the thinking there. The next one you said was Jeremy. Yep. That was the fourth highest Pearl oh. Jam selling single at number 15. You also said Daughter. Yep. That was the sixth highest, so that squeezes Ooh. in. Then the last one you said was black. Yep. So we've got the third and fifth highest. Yeah. Uh-uh. Oh. That's not in there. Four out of five. If you would have said alive. Oh, no. Or dissident, Ooh. you would have had it. Yeah. So you did better there, four out of five. Yep. Nearly, but, you know, there ain't nothing in this game for Two pound down. four out of five. <laughs> Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, as your fellow once said. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so there you go. Nearly, nearly. You were about that time. Yeah. 
Are you liking that? Yeah, I do like that. It yeah. just gives you a little bit to um, to think about, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, very disappointed. <laughs> very disappointed. Um, let's get back into Oasis. We said, didn't we, about how Mike Flowers Pops became a bit of a chart sensation. Yeah, massively. Um, yeah. On the back of... I kind of think it was on the back of... Was, was Austin Powers out around that kind of time? Or was Austin Powers later? It's got to be later. Was it? I imagine it was I later. always thought it was a bit like Oasis plus Austin Powers equals Mike Flowers Pops. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Austin Powers, have, I was a big fan at the time. They've aged really badly. Oh, yes, they have. Yes, yeah. they have. I saw one recently and I was like... Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. straight face. Yeah, straight face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had Mike Flowers Pops. You also had... Do you remember No Oasis? Yes. 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 No Oasis put out their single, I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. That happening with any act, a tribute band coming out, and yeah, that's absolutely crazy, yeah. isn't it? And they actually used to get press in the logs of Q and the enemy, yeah, they did, yeah, 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 they did. Um, I mean, there was also, I, I haven't got a clip of it here, but there was also um, a single released called Wibbling Rivalry, okay, and it was, I think it was about a 20 minute argument between Liam and Noel. Being interviewed by uh, the enemy journalist John Harris, and it entered the charts at number. Oh, hang on, let me have a look. Oh, I haven't got a number, but it, it's the highest ever charting interview on the UK charts. It was just a 23-minute single of them arguing. It was about, I think it was them going to Amsterdam on a ferry and getting chucked off, and Liam's like going, "Oh yeah, it's all fucking rock star, ain't it?" And Noel's like, look at this cunt. He just fucking wants to act the cunt. And like, we want, we're trying to make a band here. <laughs> yeah. It's just... It's, it, it's an untenable concept, isn't it? To, How could that happen then? No. It couldn't happen. Still, last year, in 2021, What's the Story Morning Glory was the 28th high selling album of the year. Which is just... We'll get on to this. The, not the next track the track in inverted commas afterwards yeah. in terms of where do albums sit in uh-huh. kind of like the modern consciousness or what have you alright next track is High Now this is the other track on the album that I would say is not in the national consciousness yep yep but I do think it's got a hooky first little bit
Now, I've wrote in my notes that this is a bit of a slogger and it could do with losing the last verse and chorus mm. completely. Well, uh, pretty similar to what I've got. If I kind of rip through everything, I've, all my thoughts here. My first listen through of this album, like you say, not in the consciousness. And at this point, with the last two tracks, with me knowing them kind of upside down, inside oh, yeah. out, living La Vida Loca, yes. I wasn't really paying attention. So when I tune back in a lot, this is boring. Um, although I, it's un- I, I always thought that in the day, that yeah. this was a plodder. It's understated, which is the opposite of what I think of when I think of Oasis. Yes. Because you, you do think of them as brash, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, for want yeah, of yeah, a better yeah. phrase. Um, the transition back into the verse post-chorus with the feeling of shame be it clunky as. Mm. Musically, the bridge elevates it. Again. Yeah. Without it, bit of a dirge. Um, and the, like you say at the end, the final third kind of... Well, it uh, kind of ends. Yeah. And then a, it comes back in. It's a regurgitation of the first third, the post-bridge part. There's so many better songs on the... Uh, B-sides or yeah. deluxe edition, which could have filled yeah. this slot. Shall we? Um, shall we go for the for the diehards, the painfully obvious here? But how is Master Plan not on this album? <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> I, I think the thing that you've got there is they probably didn't want to put too many Noel sang songs mm. on the main album. If you've got a song that good. Was, I mean, Masterplan yeah. is another one for me. I'll put that in with Wonderwall and Down the Back in Anger and okay. Alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's in that bag for me. But yeah, it, it's not as much as readily heard. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But it's undeniable. Mm. I mean, it's got that whole build, yeah. chorus, and strings. And yeah. that's like the kind of pinnacle of strings mm. when they were still like quite new. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, before like. Um, Moose Tea was using them at the end of Horny. <laughs> Not Horny. What was the what was the other one? No, there? Moose Tea was Horny Horny and uh, Sex Bomb with Tom. Yeah, now they did another song and they used horns at the end of it. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't Horny, um, <laughs> but it was definitely a Moose Tea song. <laughs> That's a proper jump the shark. Oh God. <laughs> This is the part. It's yeah, like it could have done with end in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. a pure regurgitation at that yeah, point. Should we move on to the next one? Let's. So the next track is this. thoughts on the placing of this and what it represents I like you've touched upon it not in this kind of context previously mm. but you like when they reward fans and this is one of two isn't it it's like an excerpt of not a b-side but an extraneous track yeah, I mean it was a b-side the whole track on a, yeah. on one single yeah. but yeah so it's like if you listen to this album first and you hear those two little excerpts if you're like not one of the people who's 
jumping on this because it's the in thing yeah. and you're actually going to invest in this band and you catch it's called the swamp song isn't it yeah. you catch that at a later date and that sets off that little ping of recognition it's like an easter egg isn't it you you, you kind of segue into that song and i like that i like that element of it and i like where i've touched upon it before in this episode in the last episode but I like where an album's not just a collection of songs, one after the other, that it makes, it puts things in there that set it apart from a compilation, basically. Um, one thing I wanted to mention about that as well. Now, the last time we recorded, I mentioned, I told you this story off mic, but we didn't yeah. talk about it. And it's about the concept of an album, just yeah. kind of branching off from that. Is a, a guy I work with mm. every Monday, and we take it in turns every oh, Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of us will, men- will come up with the concept, okay, and it's a top five. So it'll be like top five cover versions, mm-hmm. top five albums by a British artist, mm-hmm. top five whatever. Um, but one week uh, we came up with, and on the Friday, we'll have like, the week to think about it. On the Friday, we'll give each other our list. Mm-hmm. One week it was, okay, top five album opening tracks. Track one, side one. Call it, okay, call yeah, it what you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're sat in the tea room one day and we're talking about this. Yeah. And a co-worker of ours who's 26, 27, and she's like, oh my God, who even knows which one the first track of an album is? Oh, dearie, <laughs> At which point my head exploded. This is the point in the podcast where we go into old men complaining yeah. about the youth. Yeah. Yes, I completely yeah. agree. I, it's like, mm-hmm. it's when you press play, be that on the CD or on your streaming service of choice, it's yeah. the first song that comes on. Yeah. That's the first track. And she's like, and she's kind of looking around for support and she speaks to like another colleague of ours. Do you know which one the first track of an album is? And then that goes on a whole other tangent that I don't even want to get into at this point because I'll end up smashing the place up. But I just... The album as a collective... You like and, the craft of the album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's... In, fif- in 15, 20, 25 years, it won't exist. Oh, I don't think it will, no. I don't think it will, no. Yeah. For what we've just said, it's, it's all those little bits about building the anticipation of the album by yep. releasing some singles. Yep. And then you get the album and you've had a little a wet of the appetite. Yeah. And then you sit down or you put it in your car and drive somewhere yep. and you listen to the album track one all the way yep. to, I mean, what we talk, an ideal album length is probably 11 to 13. Yeah, somewhere yeah. somewhere between 45 and 60 minutes. It's probably optimum. Yeah. Um, but you think of all like your favourite albums. Yeah. You know, you basically know the track list of them. And you definitely know the opening salvo. Yeah. The, the, the just what is fired off at the start. Yeah. And you hear a track, and if you hear a, a track follow that. Yeah. Other than the track that follows it on the album, it, it knocks weird. you out. Yeah, yeah, it knocks you off kilter. Yeah, it does. See, I um, obviously had heard the track that comes after this is some might say. So I'd heard that because that was the first single released way before the album. Yeah. But now, because it has that whole into it, it kind of they go together now in my head. They have to. Yeah. 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 Um, out of interest. What were some of the ones that you came up with? Are they your own choice or a critical 
Oh, choice of the track one side ones. Yeah, I would need to um... because if you're saying like yeah. just off the top of head, if somebody went, oh, um, smells like Team Spirit, off. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, bit he's, obvious. He's obviously very yeah. obvious. Yeah, but as well as the uh, significance. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we went personal. Bit of a spoiler in case we ever do this album, mm-hmm. but. Um, Part one of the best one-two opening punches ever. Um, playing song from Disintegration. I, I was just about to say playing yep. song from Disintegration. Yep. <laughs> playing song from Disintegration. See, I, was... I wasn't. I didn't know that like two years ago. So that's a new one to me. And just that whole build and when it comes in is like, oh, yeah. wow. That was the shoe. When the organs like hit, this is the organs, isn't yeah. it? I'm guessing. Yeah. It like just. Oh. Yeah. That's uh, that's the greatest one two of all time. Mm. Playing some mm. pictures of you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah just yeah. insurmountable. Uh, that's good. That is very good, actually. Yeah, I'll yeah. give you that. That was that was definitely in my top five. You didn't have hello. wasn't fam- <laughs> wasn't familiar with it at the time. <laughs> We're going back some months. We we touched upon them on the uh, on the last episode, but I'm pretty sure um, Shine on You Crazy Diamond was there. Okay, Pink, Pink Floyd. The thing about Pink Floyd songs for me is I really don't know the names of many yeah. of them because I've just l- listened to them in a bulk. Yeah, because you have to. Yeah. Because they are the quintessential album as yeah. a complete work band. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, they're not a singles band. You can't nah. take You can't take a Pink Floyd like, song and stick it on a playlist. Apart from like Another Brick in the Wall. Yeah. Or, um, oh, I don't know. Comfortably Numb. Yeah, Comfortably Numb probably. Yeah. Um, you can't really pick ones out. No. no. Yeah. They're not a singles band. By um, anyone's standards. Are you, I don't know if we've had this discussion, uh, a vinyl fan? No. Okay. Well, on the vinyl edition of this album, the next track was not Some Might Say. Okay. The next track was a track called Bonehead's Bank Holiday, as okay. in Bonehead the yeah, guitarist. Yeah, the guitarist, yeah. And it is so Britpop that it's untrue. Cute to doing the la 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 kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's not very self-conscious. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I mean, it showed up on. I can remember you having this on a B-side of maybe a Jap import single. Okay. Yeah, a Japanese import single. 
because um, it was unless you had the listen so Britpop. I'll get the below comparisons there. Didn't yeah. Bonehead look out of place? Well, he just always looked older than yeah. the rest of the band, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. To be honest, though, it was... I mean, it was, wasn't it? It was It was Noel and Liam's band and then the guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was he... Was he one of the attritional members moving forward? I know they brought in, like, the guy from Hurricane Number 1, didn't they, at some yeah, point? Bonehead, and... they, they, they were all kind of there for being there, weren't they? And then in the space, I think, of a bit... Well... Tony McCarroll, the only one he does is the next song on this album, um, some might say. Yeah. And then they had Alan White. Um, Bonehead and Gwigsy uh, left in the recording for Standing on the Shoulder of Giants in the space of like a week yeah. kind of thing. And then Noel did all the bass and guitar bits. Yeah. And that was... It's an anomaly in the Oasis catalogue. Yeah. You've kind of got these first three, Standing on the Shoulder, and then the last three. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd, is it we'll kind of like it, at some point? Yeah, it's accepted like with Marky e. Smith. If he's involved, it's the fall. It's well, yeah. I mean, it's still it's still Oasis, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but um, but yeah, I yeah, I don't know, man. We'll get around to those later albums because they're probably really more interesting. Do you know what I mean to analyse? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They probably are more interesting to analyse, but um, we, at some point, we'll, we'll, once we'll the ubiquities died out and the um, the bandwagons stalled to a halt, there's there's more to dig into. Of course. Yeah. Now this must be the most played song on this podcast so far. We've covered it before we at have. least once. Yep. Oasis's first number one single, as we've said before, um, along with Hello, I would say, some might say, is like kind of the sinews to the last album. Yeah. They are probably the two most reminiscent of Definitely Maybe. It's archetypal Oasis, isn't Perhaps, it? Perhaps. I mean, I've never seen them on a vinyl, so I'd guess that they are track one on both sides, and there's probably a thought behind that in connecting to the previous album um, we have spoke about it before we have it was on one of the shines wasn't it and it shines early on doesn't it's it it very does yes yeah it's a nice intro bit of a head bop um, raw opening lead the rest doesn't quite live up to it it's the kind mm. of song that they would never go on to replicate on future mm. albums yeah I want a clear lead and and not this it's it, it's the muddy mix I um, kind of like it mm, I don't know I it's mean, what I miss from the later albums yeah. uh, we go back to those the lay of the land at the time and grunge although I'm loath to use the term does mm. distortion well mm-hmm. Britpop doesn't I don't know, man. Yeah. I kind of like it in that. I, yeah. I, I do. I really like it there. Yeah. That's. I like that whole brick wall sound. Yeah. I think it works. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where, um, coming back from Milton Keynes, yeah. I said to Lindsay, I was like, right, I've got to give this album one more listen. Yeah. Not that I haven't heard it enough in my life yeah. ever. And she was like, oh, God, it's a row in it, this one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, as a song, as a piece of songwriting, it's fine. I don't hate it. I love Liam's vocals yeah. on it. I think they're great. He like hits high notes on it somehow. Mm. Yeah, it, these these this is the kind of song where he would say in later years, "Oh, I sound like Tweety Pie on that one." Okay. Yeah, and would knock his vocal performance. But for me, no, I'm double thumbs up. Yeah, I think it's fine. Um, what one note I've got that that uh, that fits in well because I thought we were going to do this album before we did um, the television album. And you kind of alluded to the similarity in the song titles. And I just wrote down, just to annoy you really, but I just thought, some people say pisses on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. If uh, if I could only listen to one going forward for the rest of my life, I'd pick the Oasis one. Oh, no. No, never. <laughs> ne- never in a month of Sundays. Especially if it was the album version of some people say. No. <laughs> Yeah, it's it was massive at the time, obviously. And it, I'll tell you what, though. The reviewers on the album, initially, when it first was coming out, they were a bit slow. It was lukewarm, wasn't it? It, it was got a lukewarm, lukewarm response. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Guardian gave it 4 out of 5. NME, 7 out of 10. Q only gave it 3 out of 5. Uh, Rolling Stone, 4 out of 5. But then, retroactively reviewing the album. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. God, I mean, Pitchfork, give it 8.9. I knew Pitchfork were going to love it in retrospect. They're the kings of hindsight, aren't they? Man, all music, 5 out of 5. Entertainment Weekly, A, Mojo, even going 4 out of 5. Q, 5. It's just 5s up and down the the thing. Here's a question. How did our man, uh, Mr. Christigo, receive it? Right. I've got Christigo, um, his page, saved as a, a, um, what's it called? Bookmark. Yes, a bookmark. Um, oh, hang on one second. I know he wasn't major late. Here we go. What's story morning glory? He gives it a two-line review. Okay. Yeah, he gives it two stars. And he says, give them credit for wanting it all and yet another Beatle connection, playing guitars. And he highlights She's Electric and Roll With It as his standout singles. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it's the highest rate, and now he gives B&O two stars as well. Oh, he actually gives their Stop the Clocks compilation a B plus, and he actually gives that a proper review. Okay. But um, yeah, Christopher, man, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a character, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a um, what's the word we're looking for? We'll we'll come to it by the end of the episode. He, he's the self-titled dean of music. Yeah. Yeah. He's an iconoclast. Yes, he is. He most definitely is. 100%. (laughs) Uh, Next song. Interesting one.
interested to hear your thoughts on this one. I wasn't too familiar with the song as a whole. Is it really not? Just the title, mm. really. Um, so I listened, it was musically, it's really refreshing in the context of this album. It yeah, gives the non-rhythm instruments room to breathe. A bit Wonderwally, isn't it? Like instrumentally. Yeah. Do you know but, what I mean? But better. But um, better. Yeah. We yeah. talked on the Verve episode about some of their lyrics on the more popular songs resonating with the Everyman, and this is quite profound in places. I mean, you can shove roll with it squarely up your jacksie um, <laughs> in these terms. Um, and I think the harmonies where both the Gallagher's come in together, it works really well. That's where it, that's what I said. A Noel written song yeah. with Liam singing, yeah. Noel doing harmonies. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Ab- absolutely. Simple but refreshing. Um, yeah, maybe a bit longer than it needs to be. Yeah, probably but, do without the last go round. Yeah, absolutely. But otherwise, thumbs right up for this one. This this is the best track so far. Okay. Um, interesting you say about the verb. It's meant to be written about Richard Ashcroft. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because um, Noel said he always seemed to not be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> you can kind of see from his yeah. public veneer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this is another one. The tail end of the album, from the last track onwards to the end for me, are all like radio staples. It's all, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. S- starting with this track. Really strangely, because this one, the next one, you wouldn't think really, but uh, mm. to me, everybody seems to know them. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with the next one. Okay. I've got to be honest, but um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll save that for a second, but yeah. Really enjoyed this one. Stands up to re-listens. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah maybe, a... potentially, if I hadn't heard Don't Look Back in Anger before and was listening for this for the first time, they'd be fighting it out for one and two. But yeah. as um, similarly similarly worn on that one mm-hmm. as, as yourself, mm-hmm. this, uh, this was the highlight for me up to this point. Okay, and um, the album, as we said, it was number one in Australia, Canada, Iceland, New Zealand, Norway, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, and the UK. Top five in nine more territories. Uh, they had the September 14 re release of the three disc version, which had all the B sides from the singles, live tracks, and demos. We'll touch on a couple of those in a moment. Cast No Shadow is a good song. I think so. It's, it, it's one that I'll, I'll tell you, nowadays I would skip it. Okay. Yeah. It is a skipper for me, but um, it's just that everyman vibe. It's just that man on the street vibe to all these songs. I think it kind of gave them a, an attainable um, brass ring. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think it gave yeah. to the to the guys on the street. It spoke to people. This album. Yeah. It, in, in, it in lifted the, them above the mundanity of the grind. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of give that little bit of promise of. Um, I don't know, something better. Yeah. Who knows? We could do with some of that now. Oh, we? we could do with some of that better. Some some of that now, definitely. And I need more time. 
would this be the song when you said you heard that Noel Gallagher said? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a song about a guy who um, he knows a girl who, and he's got a hand with a blister on, and he quite fancies a mother, and uh, she's got a cousin, and yeah, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's quite uh, <laughs> it, it, it's quite ostensible, isn't it? Um, first thing. My first thought was, wherever did those Beatles comparisons come from? I mean, this is this is just pure pastiche, isn't it? Really. But that said, of all the tracks on the well, of the few tracks on this album I didn't know beforehand, my perception kind of jumped from first listen to third listen. Um, I mean, musically, it's naff. Mm. It's utterly throwaway. Mm. But I don't hate it. Um, it's got a, a, a yeah. charm. It's got a charm. The first time I listened to it, I went on... No, my wife had this album yeah. at the time. She was a fan at the time. And I went, after my first listen through, I went on a little rant about this. And she was like, oh, I like that one. I actually really like it. There's another indie rock and roll for me moment. Oh, there's the, plenty in this song. Oh, yeah. the sister and a mister. And a blister. I shuddered at that point. Yeah. Absolutely sure. But then, and and... There's a Beatles pastiche, but there's also an element of another artist, which I don't think that this is probably the first time they've ever been compared to them. Uh-huh. But and this this really rang a bell with me, and I thought I like this. The bit about the cousin got a dozen and Born one in, in the, the oven, oven, but that's nothing to do with me. Made me think of Squeeze. Okay, because it's just a stream of consciousness. Yeah, and yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. If you're making me think of Glenn Tilbrook's more yeah. um, quintessentially British moments, yeah. I'm going to crack a smile, it, and it, you can't help but do that. It has got that, as you say. It's just a, a British stream of consciousness, just yep. speaking yep. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And if that's done that. well, which in that instance it is, and uh-huh. other places it's not, uh-huh. I like that. So, yeah, it's... Naff, but it's fine. Yeah, I don't think that's a song. Throw that, away. I don't think it's a song that they ever really played live. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I can't imagine it translating it'd, to live. I've oh, never seen a live version of it. It'd be good if they, if you were seeing them, say, in, a, uh, in an intimate venue and they just kind of threw it in. You know, mm. I'll, I'll throw a couple out there. Um, Pearl Jam played Bugs live once in really? like 2012. Yeah, really? in Amsterdam. Yeah. And that was like it just got a massive pop for that reason, yeah. and um, th- this will mean nothing to anybody. But um, <laughs> one of the many times I saw Electric Six, they had a bit of equipment failure, so Dick grabbed his acoustic guitar and played a, a version of Jimmy Carter on his own. And I was like, "Wow, never thought I'd see him do this." And yeah, you, you'd imagine that would resonate with with a lot of people. It'd be an an I was there moment. If they played it live. Gigs wise, everybody knows their last gig was August the twenty second at the V Fest in twenty two thousand and nine. Yep. Sorry. So I have touched on that before. So the gig before that was at Wembley on July the twelfth. Uh, of this album, they played, as you would expect, Roll With It, Morning Glory, Wonderwall, Don't Look Back in Anger and Champagne Supernova. Yep. They're all, you know, um set staples. Staples, yep. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and talking of Morning Glory, should we hit on that? It's it much like the last album we covered. I think, in terms of the closing two tracks, it's a strong finish to this album. Oh yeah, this is this is a proper rocker. Yeah, yeah. From the man who doesn't love helicopters in an intro. 
know, you can't beat helicopter. That, that just crescendo of um, the lead. And it does build up, and yet it's reminiscent of something else when it kicks in. But, um, but yeah, you can't knock this. as a collective needed to get back to this kind of tempo at this point I oh, think yeah. it's perfectly placed yeah, yeah, for that, for that yeah. purpose mm-hmm. um, I actually gave this one a second listen in isolation mm. um, afterwards and found it wasn't as good but I thought that a perfect illustration something I've talked about a lot of how the album form that could elevate a track mm. and I think it really does I think it's perfectly placed here I love the way that the bass line underscores the verse I think that's absolutely bang on I'm loath to call Oasis punk in any stretch of the word, but this is probably their most punk moment. Yeah, I mean, there was always the... Uh, they were saying, oh, they were the combination of like, the Beatles and the Sex Pistols. I think it was more just Liam snarling vocals yeah, yeah. more than anything else. But if you're going to point at that at any point... The, On this th- album. This is it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think... I uh, like this one. This album, compared to the first, you lost a lot of that probably rawness. Yeah. Um, this is the one place where it regains that foothold. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a good song. I mean, it's super simple. Yeah. It is really, isn't yeah. it? But it uh, works. But then that's that's kind of a hallmark of the album as a whole. You can never knock simplicity if it works. Yeah. You can't, can you, really? Yeah. In some places, I mean, probably for me more than you, it works in some places better than others. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more consistent for yourself. But in this place, it hits at the right points and in the right notes this this track yeah it's tight it's well placed on the album mm-hmm. yeah it's it's needed and it works and I can always remember hearing it and just thinking man that reminds me of something they keep popping up don't they at the moment you are they keep popping up yes definitely Orion's the one I love um Man, if you're going to steal a riff from something... Steal from the best. Steal from a decent song, yeah, definitely. And then we go into... We go back into the Untitled, as it's classed. We get the Swan Song again with a bit of... I don't know. Champagne Supernova shimmer mm. on it. Mm. Yeah. But we like the Easter eggs, don't we? We like the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like the reward for the investment... Yeah, we I mean, like the attempt to make it work as a collective. A 12-track album with two of these. It's a 10-track album, isn't it, yeah. really? Yeah. Incredibly restrained for the amount of volume that Noel was putting out at the time. Oh, oh I've touched on two. I'm sure there's more but that, this is, this that, is that the you thing. could probably build on more than as I a, can. As a fan, 
that was the thing that took Oasis like over the edge was their B-sides. You knew you could go out to the shop, you could buy an Oasis single, and in the days you could get like three extra tracks. You could basically buy an EP yeah. every yeah. time. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody don't do that. By, yeah. by the fourth, fifth album, they were doing oh, the remix, an extended mix, and a cover. Yeah. There was another band around this time, maybe a little bit later, that did that exceptionally well for two albums. I won't kind of name them just in case we touch upon them at any point, but uh, there was another British band, sort of mid to late 90s, that the quality of their output on EPs and B-sides was annihilating what a lot of bands were putting out sort of as the lead singles and it's nice to see a bit tracks. of depth definitely someday you will find me carping the landslide in a champagne supernova in the sky someday you will find me I mean this is an album closing track that every motherfucker knows well, I think we've talked a lot, haven't we, about album closers and what we like. And we like low-key yeah. as an album closer. But if you can't do that, the next best thing epic. Is, is epic. And I think this hits both. Yeah. And would you, The first line I've got then about this, I don't know if you agree, does this album save the best for last? I think looking at it nowadays because of how bored in some of these tracks are yeah 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 um i think liam's drawl is his unique vocal delivery is absolutely perfect for the lyrics and the acoustic element at the beginning of this song really elevates that to the next level you wouldn't give that to anybody else any other vocalist no, no, on no, the no, planet no, 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 no. i think to the point where and i won't say i did get this far but you because of how it builds into the like you say the the epic almost psychedelic element yeah, to the end of this song absolutely but that initial liam's draw the acoustic part you're almost disappointed when the electric guitar kicks in and the trademark oasis sound takes takes over but then it takes it to that that additional element and it's like you can't mess with it this is like the first sign of the stuff they're going to go on to do on the next album yeah. where they proper like uh, they're putting the coke down <laughs> no they're yeah. putting the coke up basically <laughs> and really yeah. going for it yeah I mean, if I was going to criticise I'd say the format you've got a bit first verse chorus then the second verse with minimal changes a bit lather rinse repeat and the first verse gets reprised a bit later but on I anyway think that's what ISIS do it is it is mm. It is, and that's mm. going to feed into again my overall mm. take. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, yeah, love it's, this. It's it's one of those songs, as I say, which which just everybody just. I'll keep repeating that the thing. But if people were going, oh, what's your favourite song from Morning Glory? <laughs> like, I bet there's. Honestly, if you said, oh, what's the best, what's your favourite song off Morning Glory and you can't pick Wonderwall or Down and Back in Anger yeah. to the masses, yeah. this would probably, this is the one. probably be the yeah. one, yeah, yeah, I'm guessing. And it's hard to argue. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a songwriting triumph. <laughs> Absolutely. A produce, a production triumph, yeah. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Definitely. And this now, you go into um, a stage 
what would you call it, a stage or a scene where this band are the biggest band in Britain. 100%. 100%. Everyone, you know, the, the press in, in Britain were saying, oh, the biggest band in the world. I, I don't know if they were necessarily that, but they were that big that they like then went to Nebworth and did those gigs. Yeah. And, you know, those gigs are still revered. Yeah. Like, just, you know, I can't think of a time. I mean, Liam's done them this year, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But it was, um, I think you had like 125,000 a night compared to, uh, he did less, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the, the line-ups of those, they were full festivals in their own right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just looked at them because they did Lock Lomond as well, didn't they? Lock I didn't Lomond. know that. They did two nights yeah. at Lock Lomond, two nights at Nebworth. Yeah. Go on, what, was, and, what, and was, that, the, uh, what and, was the support? And that is the absolute peak of the movement. Those yeah. gigs, yeah. a year after this, is the peak of the movement. Um, Lock Lomond, you had Bootleg, Be- Bootleg Be- Beatles, Dread Zone, Black Grape, Cast, mm-hmm. Ocean Coliseum, and Heavy Stereo. Oh, that's horrendous. And uh, at Nebworth, you had the Charlatans, Cooler Shaker, Chemical Brothers, Manic Street Preachers, Bootleg Beatles, Prodigy, and Ocean Coliseum. So if you were at Lock Lomond, you'd be pissed off. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you still like that, That's like ice cream and gruel. What did Dread Zone ever do? Dread Zone? Dread Zone? Um, they, they play the Robin quite regularly. What, um, now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you'd be really disappointed if you were at Loch Lomond. Massively. What a fantastic place. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've gone there now on uh, my job. Yeah. So I have to go like, only a handful of times um, around there. I mean, it's quite remote, isn't it? Massively. And massively. I, I, obviously, I haven't been in the grounds, so I haven't seen what it is. But what a fantastic venue for a gig, I'd imagine. Oh, incredible. Yeah. 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 It, Shame it, they brought cast. <laughs> Shame they brought. I mean, heavy stereo. Oh, heavy stereo. Not a clue. Black grape. I mean, some people yeah. really like black grape, don't they? Yeah. But, um. Well, didn't really live up to the Mondays. No, nah, there's a couple of black grape songs which are really catchy, but. Um, yeah, but yeah, as you say, um, I do believe that those Nebworth gigs opened up with the Chemical Brothers there. Okay. So at like twelve, one o'clock on an afternoon, the Chemical Brothers were there, fucking breakbeaters. Got to be a bit of a mindfuck, hasn't oh, it? I, I wouldn't have thought that was really good. And yeah. um, at the time, Radio One, I think they played the Saturday Night Live. Remember Stu taping it off the radio. And that was, I mean, man, it was so massive. It was like just a, a big, big thing. And those gigs were, they're so well received. I mean, they re-released them, haven't they? Like yeah, this. yeah. I think they're on YouTube, aren't they? Yeah, but yeah. They, they put out an album, didn't they? Yes. Because it was the anniversary yeah. of it. Um, I think it's a compilation of the two nights, looking okay. at it. Uh, and some, like a lot of tracks aren't on there, because there was a lot of... Um, What's it called? Mouth organ. Harmonica. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of harmonica. I don't think Noel was happy with the amount of harmonica that the player okay. was playing. Yeah. Um, but he, man, at the time, he kind of had it. Well, he just gave a bit of a new new bit to it because Noel had his, his little bit in the set where he did Master Plan yeah. and other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of the ones that we're getting to now, 
So that is the end of the album. I've just picked half a dozen songs that we'll quickly touch on. Okay. Yeah, that you may... These may have been the ones that you were like, yeah, 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 these are good. The first one is Talk to Noise. Okay. Chewing on a bone line. On a plane, you know you can complain. <laughs> oh, hello, Kurt. I'm on a plane. I can't complain. <laughs> Next one. I think you spoke about this before. Obviously, this was before the album came out. Yeah. Is such a thumbs up. It does that nod of what's to come better than the opening track does. And this should have been the opening track for the album. It's yeah. If this is on the album, this is top three. Yeah. And you've got the dual vocals kind of thing going on. You've got Liam rasping out his verse, and then Noel works for the chorus. Yeah. All good. And uh, this is a curio. This is a Noel sang song called Step Out. Um, I think he originally did want this to be on the album, maybe, but it was considered too close to Stevie um, Wonder's... I don't know. Step Out tonight? I don't know what it's called. I forgot. I've had way too much to drink now. Yeah, we'll have a bit. Oh, what's the Steve? Uptight. Uptight, step yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen when the chorus comes in. But the bridge is excellent. No getting away from that, is there? <laughs> no, there's no hiding that one, no. is there? <laughs> Another one. This was a cover. I love this. You said you didn't like Slade? Oh, this was off, um, off camera, wasn't it? Off yeah. mic. Yeah. Oh. This good. has got the, oh, the, no. the, the full brick wall. so much fuzz and everything going on there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It'll be too late for the uh, for the locals amongst the listenership to uh, to take a recommendation because the exhibit will be gone. But the, the Slade things come from 
I went to an exhibition at uh, yeah. the Wolverhampton Gallery earlier in the week. It's called Black Country Beats. Yeah. And it's like um, basically a tribute to um, the Black Country's um, contribution to modern music. So there's a reggae section, there's a Bangra section, um, there's a section to uh, the Stourbridge centric uh, original Grebo movement, can, as it can was you called. I believe that the Stourbridge was like the. The, the hottest um, the hottest thing in music it was time in the early 90s yeah I went to see um, Lucy Porter the comedian at Stourbridge Football Club mm. um, she was years and years ago now but she was doing a rehearsal for her uh, Edinburgh Fringe mm-hmm. set and if there were 50 people in there you're stretching it really but, yeah but yeah. she was absolutely gushing and she was like of always wanted to play Stourbridge because Ned's Atomic Dustbin wonder stuff populate itself that was like her yeah. era of stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah there was a room of the display to that but the, there was a big the most impressive visually and in, in terms of sort of like memorabilia stuff. that was in yeah. there was, was the room of Slade which was you know no, I'm not really bothered about Slade. <laughs> but it was like full of um, big step shoes and stuff, I'd imagine. Did they have some of shoes or something? There was some stage gear. There were a lot of their gold records and like, mm. there was like, the certification of um, the Christmas song. He's dying um, out on that every year, isn't he? Abso- absolutely, yeah. Fair he, place he, to fuck he never yeah. needs to work again. No. But, you know, he's... Um, you know, he, I don't know, he seems to be linked to certain parts of parts of the region and uh, mm. Noddy Holder is from the Beachdale in Morsel from, from Beachdale in Morsel oh is, yeah. is, that, is, is, is that his thing yeah. yeah okay did you like this one I'm not I, sure I got to I it I didn't know if this one would because t- it has horns and everything I didn't yeah. know if you think this was a bit different yeah. it's 40 tracks isn't it the, uh, the deluxe version yes I did get to this Didn't sound like them at all. It felt like an anomaly. The paperboy is working before he goes. Lying to the teacher who knows he knows. He did it and he should have bought his lines in yesterday. I think a lot of um, Oasis's early material, it's got that kind of lyrical charm. There's, there's a kind of childlike lyrical charm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. To a lot of it. And I think that's the thing which uh, the mass is connected to. Yeah, I think if you were invested at the time, yeah. you'd kind of carry that and yeah. it would never leave you. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, I, I don't know, it's a crude comparison, but kind of how I am with television on mm. our previous episode. Mm. Maybe we can roll reverse here. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, I think definitely, as we said in television, a lot of that was... I said to you, didn't I? How yeah. old were they at the time? Yeah. And they're probably about the same kind of age then as, yeah. as Noel was yeah. here. Well, there's is there, what, 15, 16 months between his albums? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last one, obviously. Even still now, I will guarantee you, every single Sunday morning, it always seems to be, if you listen to Absolute 90s, <laughs> this will play on, uh, um, what's his name, who does the Sunday morning uh, comedian? He's a man. Oh, Manford. Manford. Yeah. Yeah. This will play every Sunday morning on Manford's show. Yeah. 
It's hard to argue with this, though, isn't it? it as I say, it, it, for me, it's in the Wonderwall, down the back in anger category. It's, yeah. But it has a... It's a more grown-up sound, yeah? Yeah. For an yeah. Oasis song. It, it is more mature. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's a more mature, mature I think sounding. wherever you stick this in the track list on here, I think it elevates the album. I think if you would have put um, Acquiesce in track one instead of Hello, yeah. and you would have put this instead of Hey Now. Okay. Oh, yes. So you could have had Don't Look Back in, don't look back, don't look back in Anger and then this. Yeah. Oh, would they be too close? That's a... Um, that's a hell of a run from Wonderwall to this. Yeah. That, but. but let's hear this chorus. Sing it loud and sing it proud today And then dance if you want to dance Please brother take a chance You know they're gonna go which way they want to go Okay, so in summary, we can't ke- we can't take those songs into it. We yeah, can't. No. But in 2010, the Brits voted it the greatest British album since 1980. Okay. That was a burp, not me going, pfft. What were they calling the greatest British album pre-1980? I don't know, because maybe music didn't exist before 1980, yeah. like football didn't exist before the Premier League. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So should we just err on the side of uh, the bookie's favourite and go with Sergeant Pepper? <laughs> well, Sergeant Pepper is the only studio album, isn't it, which has sold more copies than What's the Story Morning Glory. I don't know if it's been overtaken by an Adele album now. Okay. They were the only albums which were um, threatening it, Yeah. shall we say, in the sales figures. Okay. All in all, I mean, we opened this episode, didn't we, by saying you can't argue with the historical value of the album. Definitely not. You can't argue with the sales figures of the album. Um, it, it just to me, it's always my third favourite Oasis album. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been holding that back all the way through. Yeah. It's always my third favourite. I've found this so, more than any album we've ever done so hard to give a, that final verdict to and that final grade because of... What's your pluses and minuses? Ooh, well, less than pluses and minuses. I try and yardstick what we do. Yeah. And I think one comparison I'm going to make of Revised and the other comparison I'm going to make is going to be a bit of a um, kind of shine a spotlight on the different angles that we probably come to everything from, to be fair. Okay. Because the last time you and I got together, we did Kid A. Is that right, yeah? We did. And one of your criticisms of Kid A was that it didn't have songs. Um, yeah. You said it's not got songs. And what this... what Morning Glory has is songs in absolute abundance. But it's just as safe as houses. There's nothing dynamic. It takes no risks structurally, musically. It's very, it's like buttered toast. No, but, There's but, no maverick moments. There's just, no virtuosity. Can I just offer just one thing to, to that? Go on. 
in comparison to the first album, yeah, I think it's a completely different album. I wouldn't say completely well, different. Well, you can no, you no, can no, see no. the paradigm shift. The first album is like rock and roll star. Yeah. Up in the sky, yep. live forever, yeah. cigarettes and alcohol, slide, slide away, away. Yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, all yeah. quite up tempo. Yeah, and you've literally and got, for the jugular. You've got literally one yeah. track at the end, "Married with Children," yep. which is like down tempo. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's a more mature sounding album. It is. It is. I don't like the production. Um, yeah, in, yeah. In yeah. terms of where it sits, in terms of the general music that we cover and the time period, I drew a little bit of a comparison to um, Urban Hymns, although that came later. I'm kind of going to renege on what my initial thoughts were. I thought there's nothing as good as rolling people or weeping willow, nothing approaching near as bad as catching the butterfly. But I'm going to renege on that a little bit (laughs) because I think there's a couple of tracks... Well, definitely Champagne Supernova, maybe Cast No Shadow. I would put up there with those two. And it's definitely not the endurance test that that album was. You know, it's tighter, it's in its end. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, um, it, it, it hasn't got to where the next album, I mean, BNO has got two songs which are nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and definitely. they're fantastic. Lyrically, there's nothing massively thought-provoking. There's nothing oblique in the lyrics, apart from where it does threaten that, a cast no shadow and champagne supernova. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any coincidence that they're the best two. Um, Again, musically, nothing got me off my seat. So go on, I'll pop that back to you. But really, again, it's difficult to escape the connotations in 2022 and listen to it objectively because to me just i hark back to the opening track and i say it sounded like ai and like all the tropes of oasis were in there and to me in 2022 given the fan base it gave rise to this album to me sounds like the soundtrack to a meat raffle in a pub with a flat roof <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't love a meat raffle? Who doesn't love a pub? Uh, and uh, I'm not going to say who doesn't love a flat roof because I'll tell you what, if you put that on your insurance, you know you have to say how much of your percentage of your house is a flat roof. Oh, it, man, your premium's going up. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Of course yeah. it is. But they've got that new compound stuff now, haven't they? It's um, it's not like the felt. Oh, it, yeah. It, man, it, it, Gaz has got this, um, it's like a wooden lodge. Yeah. Yeah, in his garden. Yeah, and it hasn't got well. It's got a roof, yeah, yeah. but it's literally just a rubber. That's yeah, all-encompassing yeah. roof. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, fantastic. Yeah. He yeah. lives in that. It, all right, guys, he lives in that. He doesn't live in his house anymore. It's fantastic. Yeah. Honestly, it's like it, a, it's like this impenetrable stuff that yeah, <laughs> the rain bounces off. Yeah, yeah, you're getting twice your lifespan out of that. Definitely. Oh, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But back to your writing. Okay. Oh, I yeah. think you're going to be unnecessarily harsh here. This could literally have gone anywhere between a B minus and a D minus. It really, really could. Would you really have given it so far down as a D minus? Based on, yeah. and again, I try to anchor it to something we've done previously. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here saying to you this is the best album ever because it's yeah. not. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, 
There's nothing I actively dislike other than Wonderwall. I ain't crazy about the first two tracks. Mm. Hello, we'll roll with it. Um, hey now. She's electric's a bit naff. But you but like all, it? But all that said, any album that's got Cast No Shadow, the title track, and Champagne Supernova on it as, what, a third of the album, you cannot talk about in... You cannot attach a D to with a straight face. Yeah. So, on balance, I think I'm comfortable with a C minus. Just you were going to go straight C, but yeah, yeah. Just because musically, there's nothing that gets me off my seat. It's mm-hmm. all very safe, and musically, other than two of those three tracks, there's nothing that could even approach profound or not basic. Oh, I'm never going to argue with you. The fact that Oasis are not basic. Yeah, I'm, there's never going to be a point. Apart from possibly on the next album, where I think they just, I don't know, elongate and oh, um, grandiose. Yep. All the songs, yeah. Okay, C minus. I thought, what? Oh, I'm just going to come in and I'm just going to go, oh, yes, I. Yeah. Okay. But it's not. Um, in reverence, it is an I. As I said to you, I think there's eight out of ten real tracks on here which are just, just you could play anywhere and then everybody knows. But that doesn't make it. That's not grounds for me to say. Oh yeah, this is a nice a uh, album. I'm gonna give it a B plus. Yeah, obviously we're a little bit apart on that. Just it's just taste and all that kind of yeah. thing. A B plus. I mean, there's people out there. This is their favourite album of all time. Oh yeah. Um, I was listening to the Oasis podcast recently, and uh, they had an interview with a young kid. He was young; he was probably younger than us. He was probably about like five, six, seven years younger than than me, so a few years younger than you. Uh, and they were like, "Oh yeah, the, so what are your favourite Oasis songs?" And he's like, "Oh, um, you know, Wonderwall, Don't Look Back in Anger." Yeah. And I'm thinking, hitting all the tropes. Well, they're not. They're not the Oasis fans' favourite songs. Mm. Yeah? Much like if I said to you, man, fucking Creep's my favourite Radiohead song. Mm. It's like that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I'm going to blow a raspberry at you. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. So for me, I'll, I'll give it a B plus. I don't feel bad about giving it that. So, yeah, there you go. I, I do think when me and our unnamed ex-co-host of one album... He was that guy. Okay. He was that guy who was like, oh man, roll with it, Wonderwall, don't look back in anger, cast no shadow, champagne supernova, yep. them are the songs, kind of thing. And that's probably why it fell down. Okay. <laughs> that's probably why it didn't work as the first episode. In fairness, we we weren't a million miles apart. He, went out, yeah. he and I. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh, I'm happy that you think so because the, hey, if we the, this could have gone south. No, no, no. We we're gonna always come together and have a decent discussion on music. And yeah. man, this is what this podcast is about. I love it when somebody's well into something, somebody's not. Yeah, it's it's better. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, because yeah. you're arguing a counterpoint and stuff. Um, but I think you were you were far more on board than yeah, you far thought more I would on board be. Than I thought you may have been, to be honest. Yeah. So, I think yeah. I made a conscious effort to be objective. 
think you got a bug, haven't you? You guys out there, you've been listening to this all this time. We're like two and a half hours in here. Well, if you want to get in touch with us and you want to let Boyd know how you might be wrong how, or how I might be wrong, or if you want to offer, man, can there be another opinion to give on any of these songs? But if you've got one, throw it in. Jukeboxpod at gmail.com. As always, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Jukeboxpod on all the stuff. And as I said at the start of the episode, you can find the playlist for this episode, which includes all the covers, all the other songs that we talk about, Jukebox pod glory. I'll be back. Um, I think there might be another UK band in the next episode. I've had a blast doing this one. I hope you have. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. I was nervous about this one because (laughs) it was this was a hard one to drill into. And I hope you guys had a blast listening to it as well. Stuart Boyd, would you like to give us a song to play out with? Yeah, I'll do that. I try and he's going to try and cleanse the palate here. Here we go. Not really. I try and keep it topical, but we've spent a lot of time, you and I, in 1995, haven't we? Mm. So, as we've just spent two two hours plus in Manchester, let's go to Liverpool. He's going to play cast. I'm going to play Anathema. Oh, my spelling there. I'll write it down for you. And uh... one of the most underrated British bands of all time. And I'll go with it's it's difficult. We've got a short little play out time, so I'm going to go with Closer. Is it a cover of... Um, no, no, no. No Inch Nails. Is it cover of Linkin Park? No. Discography, this one's quite instant. It's another one that I've never heard of, honestly. I'll get you doing one of their albums before <laughs> this comes to, the, comes to its conclusion. <laughs> If I did that album, we know that the podcast is coming to an end. Okay. But I don't know what that is right now. I need to give that some thought. Let's invite some suggestions. <laughs> okay. Um, any speculation on what we maybe should do next time? I've got some. Okay, I've okay. got some to throw at you, actually. Okay. Okay. We can talk about that in a moment. Right, guys, thank you very, 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 very much for listening. Um, Anathema, closer, remastered version. What, what year? 2003, maybe. 
This, this is some. This is something that I could listen to on a long trip up to Scotland again, isn't it? Definitely. This tracks their uh, their typical main live set closer, like pre encore. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, again, uh, I mentioned the Mac DeMarco on my birthday on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one year on my birthday, um, the wife came with me to see Anathema, and of all the times I've seen them, this was the time they were the worst. Um, the sound was not right for them all night but um, she kind of came along for me and we came out and my, f- my question was what did you think and she paused for a second and she said I can appreciate how they're talented <laughs> oh that must have killed you a little bit inside a little bit <laughs> okay right stay young and invincible let's go 